tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you to make a call. Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on the show, why gambling seems to be a bigger problem than we might have thought. Should the Agri-Minister vote against the use of Roundup? We have farming news with uh, Katrina Morrissey. Uh, Dr Mary Ryan will talk to me about Irish Book Week. Muriel Cuddy has our health slot uh, this morning. And we have live music in studio in the final hour and the very, very best of live music as well with the group Miscellany of Folk. So I'm looking forward to that. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com and we're always glad to hear from you. Let's have a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. A rather worrying headline on the Irish Daily Mail to begin with. The Gardaí quits in record numbers and uh, seemingly almost 900 fewer Gardaí are patrolling, patrolling the streets compared to three years ago with the force hit by a record number of resignations. A total of 114 officers have left the ranks since December, including more than 104 frontline officers. The Irish Times... And they're leading with the story that the cost of Ireland's bid to co-host Euro 2028, previously put at between 65 million and 93 million, has been scrutinised in great detail with a full cost-benefit analysis carried out by the Department of Tourism and Sport. Also on the Times today, the Minister for Health has privately warned drug companies that there is likely to be no additional funding for new medicines in the budget, and that's according to the Irish Times, the Irish Independent, and their main story, Transport Minister Eamon Ryan has been warned that failure to invest properly in new road projects and improvements could result in the deaths of 77 people and 381 serious injuries over the next five years. And uh, TII, that's the uh, Transport Infrastructure Ireland, they sent uh, the DAR warning to the Green Party leader outlining Concerns about funding cuts that is said could lead to increased fatalities and serious injuries due to delays to new projects and improvements on dangerous sections of national uh, roads. And finally, a look at the examiner and uh, their uh, headline, Gambling, a Public Health Crisis. It's something we'll be chatting about a little later on in the programme. But uh, one in ten adults are either problem gamblers or report that gambling has caused multiple problems in their lives with stark figures laying bare a new public health emergency. And also on the uh, examiner today, um, an Apache American convicted 40 years ago for the murder of a Limerick priest has been exonerated. Father Patrick Ryan, 49, from Dune in County Limerick. He was found naked, bound and beaten to death in his motel room in Odessa in Texas in 1981. Um, he has uh, he had booked into the motel under a pseudonym. But anyway, um, 
it's an interesting story if you get time to to read it today. But uh, that man who was convicted all those years ago has been exonerated. So that's a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. If you want to make comment on any of that, 083 Now, right throughout the week, we've been discussing Ireland's neutrality on the programme and our listeners, Kevin and uh, Willie, really kicked off a debate after the Tawnish to Michal Martin defended the decision to allow Irish soldiers to provide basic rifle training to Ukrainian soldiers as non-lethal aid, arguing it is humanitarian to defend your people. Well, William was in touch with us uh, through Facebook on this and joins me now. Good morning to you, William. Good morning, friend. Billy is the name, friend. Billy, Billy is, how? Uh, I beg your pardon, yeah. Billy. How? How are you? Oh, good. William is the farmer, the farmer. The, the yeah, farmer, friend. Yeah. <laughs> Very well indeed. Good to talk to you, Billy. Yeah. So, t- tell me about your thoughts on this, Billy. Well, I was just listening to your contributors yesterday, and the pro and neutral contributors. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're very good, very sincere in what they're saying. But I think, I think there's a bit of naivety there, like you know. I mm. mean, as regards the the members of the Defence Forces providing, say, skilling weapons to the Ukrainian forces, like, you know, I mean, that's for a good cause. I mean, we all want to see the Ukrainians kind of uh, stopping the, the Russians, at least bringing them to a standstill and negotiating a treaty or something. But if they haven't got the means to do it, like, you know, they're at nothing. So it is, it's all very well said. We want the Ukrainians to drive the Russians back and all that. But look, at, I think providing them with the skills to do it is, is, is a necessary and it's a morally right thing to do. Yeah, and I do, have do, no you, problem with that. do you think it contravenes the notion of Irish neutrality, though? Well, Irish neutrality, like, is funny. It's funny. It, it, it's kind of it's, it, if you're talking about, say, the Second World War, when the when the country was on its economic knees, a fledgling country on its economic knees, it was thank God we were surrounded by water. But that doesn't that doesn't wash in modern day, you know. In the modern world, that doesn't wash with with modern technology and everything like that, like, you know, I mean, you have there those cables, those sensitive cables off the coast of Cork, and you have the alien vessels from different navies, you know, kind of exploring that and seeing, you know, kind of, and mm. off, off our, off our, in our waters, like, doing that, like, you know, so our neutrality, but, I mean, you take Shannon Airport there, Shannon Airport is a, is a big, I mean, that has our neutrality negated for 20 years, like, you know, you have a huge volume, a huge volume of, uh, U.S. military personnel on stopovers in Shannon Airport for refuel and whatever. Now, you take a hypothetical scenario. If you had, say, the runway in Shannon Airport obliterated by, say, what we call a Russian missile in the morning, well, we couldn't very well go out into a U.N. council ringing our caps and say we were innocent bystanders, could we? You mean that we were playing an active part in certainly American military operations, yeah. Yeah. You see, and then in general, no, the, general, um, the, the main media keep the Shannon Airport thing hush-hush, I suppose that's at the beckoning of the government, like, you know, put this there. Mm. And I'm sure now there's there's millions of US dollars going into the government coffers over it, like, I mean, in my in my view, the, the minister the minister for finance isn't getting a box of chocolates with a, with a nice little, a nice little, uh, a nice little Uncle Sam logo on it for Christmas. I mean, there's more to it than that, but that's... Uh, and that's Billy, are, are you okay with that notion of Shannon being used in, the, in, in that fashion? Because a lot of people are of the belief that that should well, be, stand, that should what, be what ended. Saying, that shouldn't what I'm happen. Saying, yeah. What I'm basically saying is that has our neutrality kind of negated. That's it. We're not neutral for the last 20 years over that issue. Yeah, because we have turned a blind eye to rendition and to transferring prisoners you know, to yeah. so-called third countries for interrogation and 
torture yeah. even maybe by 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 the Americans, yeah. you know. And what I'm saying is, just give that give that hypothetical thing there about Shannon Airport being hit by a, 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 a Russian missile and that the runway destroyed. But look, we'd have no real recourse to go up with ringing a cat like uh, to a United Nations Council and say we're innocent bystanders, would we? And do you think in the world that we're living in now in 2023 that the notion of neutrality is virtually impossible? Is is that what yeah, I'm taking from Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% neutrality, no matter, you know, no matter how well-meaning that, the, the, that, the, that we'd be about our neutrality and all that, it would be virtually impossible, yeah. There was a statement I remember from Charlie Flanagan that bowled me over completely when he was Justice Minister. He said that the U.S. military has blanket permission, if I remember him correctly, to use Irish airspace, which was an incredible statement, really, yeah. when, when you think well, about it. It's a stop-off point, for, to say, for, for refueling that. But, but then they've gone on to Hungary, where they're, where, where they're, they're, what, they're tooling up as a, a fully operational military unit, and they're hitting off then to Afghanistan and other places in the Middle East, you know, kind of to, to, to kind of enhance their war effort, like, you know. And can I put one other thing to you, there, Billy, that... You know, in all the polls, I, I said this over the last few days, over 60% of Irish people believe firmly in the notion of neutrality. So they do, it, but it, that's, where, that's where, sorry, Fran, that's, no, 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 that's where the naivety comes into it, because they firmly believe that, we're, that, we, that we are 100% neutral. Do you know what I'm saying? And what I'm saying, I was giving the example of Shannon Airport, we are not 100% neutral. And, and, and we're not innocent bystanders. And and most people would agree with that, but there's an awful lot of peace-loving people that would disagree profoundly well, with, with what's you know, been I happening would, in Shannon over the past 20 years, you know? Well, I tell you, no, at different levels now, the Shannon, the Dáil, you'll have the public representatives. And when it came, say, to, to, to the budget for the Defence Forces, you had these people who would be total retractors when it comes to... You had even public representatives over the last few years from the major parties saying that there was no need for an army at all. And what would be happening in the Dáil when, to be say, oh, the defence forces need X amount just to revamp the, their, their facilities or they need it for resources? You'd have the quasi-neutral total retractors standing up and saying, oh, wait a minute now. If you kind of if you spend that money, which would be be for resourcing the defence forces, but they'd be maintaining that it would be being spent on say military hardware, and to be using the neutrality card to trump what you call their total their total uh, anathema to military funding, and they're the kind of people like that would be would be kind of uh, they're the kind of people that would be say they'd be um, they'd be kind of. They'd be sent. They'd be sent that kind of neutral propaganda, where there'd be an ulterior motive involved, which would be they they wouldn't believe in spending any money whatsoever on defence. Yeah, well, you see, I like the notion of. And, and we're very good at it, peacekeeping around the world. I, th- I think we have a vital role yeah. to play where, where that is. But I also believe that our defence forces, it's a joke what's been happening out there. We have two active uh, boats in the Navy now, which is just crazy yeah. when you when yeah. you think what's going on on, on the seas, around, even even from a drug uh, importation point of view, you know. But, yeah. but, I mean, that is a separate issue, is it not, in terms of us beefing up our own defence, our own ability to defend yeah, ourselves? Yeah, beefing up our own defence, yeah, but... Yeah. but uh, what I was just saying there, you have you have the you have the you have to have the public representatives that don't believe in any sort of funding at all going to the Department of Defence because they don't believe that there's any need for an army. Mm. And you'll go there and you'll have them saying, then if uh, oh sure our airspace is being protected by the RAF, oh sure our 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 our, our uh, yeah. 
Yeah, well, or, uh, well, we've been depending or, or on the... Or, on be suspended in the, the event of, uh, say, an alien, a strong alienation yeah. doing anything that... Uh, yeah. Well, we, we've depended... The, we've, the, we've the depended. Ministry of Defence has been under budgeted as well, and I don't think with the, with the Tory government, with the, the, the unionists in the north, the Brexiteers, and the fact that the, the British... Department of Defence is under budget as well. I don't think they'd have any interest in in, in looking after all 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 end of things. You know? So so we're vulnerable as far as you're concerned. We're very yeah. vulnerable because we yeah. have depended on the RAF for for, for decades at this oh, point. Have, yeah. But but that's because it suits them, of course. Needless to say, to oh, exactly, exactly, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's out of no, that's no no great love for us on this side of the border, like you know. Yeah, it's for their own security and their own protection. Of course, of course that, is, yeah. they're anxious to to do that. Where is it all going to end? Do you think? I mean, well, well, let me put put it differently to you. Should this be put to the Irish people in terms of neutrality and maybe a general conversation on it that will be a fair conversation around? Yeah, that? well, it's not about citizens' assembly. I, mean, <laughs> I wouldn't know really. Um, I'd say, hmm. I'd say. Our government will want to come very clean with the people as regards to things like Shannon Airport is concerned and things like that. And it's great, as pe- you know, you were talking about peacekeeping there. Now, I'm an ex-member of the Defence Force myself. Are you? Know. Yes. I am. I'm a retired member of the Defence Force. So, but what I will tell you is that uh, as regards um, as regards peacekeeping that is concerned, that's great that we can do that. But if we breach our neutrality, we find it very hard to have our, our troops as ambassadors for peace, you know, going out far. But exactly, and, exactly. Yeah. 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 But are you not are you are you not arguing against yourself there in terms of I mean, if we're seen to be breaching our neutrality, we no longer have the credibility for peacekeeping, do you not think, Billy? Oh yeah, yeah. But look at um what I'm saying is the neutrality is being breached, but it's not it's not generally you know, it's not in the domain of the say, of the main media and that because it's been it's been kept hush, to be honest about it. I mean the only people the only people the only people that you'd hear that were trying to highlight the the the, the Shannon Airport thing were the likes of independence, you know? Some yes. independents were highlighting that was something that and, and was there, there, neutrality, and they were they yeah. were actually they were actually they were actually persecuted for to be honest. And, and there were groupings of of people down there who who continued to protest. Groupings of women in particular, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And just as a former member of the defence forces yourself, like, is it as bad as we get the impression in terms of you know resources and uh, the like? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, because as I've said, you know, funding for the defence forces has been, you know, you take the the profile of uh, of the Department of Defence, it's a uh, it's kind of a very weak profile. Even though we've had some excellent ministers from defence from all parties, like you know, but you know, uh, as a profile, as a profile, it's not one of the most challenging ones, like you know. So it's kind of an easy profile because there is really no budget involved in it. And. You see where I'm coming yeah, from. Right? I that's do. where I do, yeah. That's where the conditions and the the, the, the remuneration problems in the defence force itself are, is because strictly speaking, the vast majority of the cabinet members in the Dáil have no interest whatsoever in funding the defence forces. Yeah, even though there's talk now about increasing the uh, the resources and and the funding considerably, but we oh, did, yeah, we, but we did allow it to get to a situation where it's very yeah, worrying. There's yeah. international pressure after coming on the government there over you know at recent instances like the Russians ships off the coast of Cork and things mm. like that to cyber. Yeah. They, they hate just see cyber 
hacking there and things like that. You know, there's increasing pressure coming from outside of Ireland, you know, so they'll have to be pulling up their socks and say to be doing something about it. But they can do that without, uh, without affecting neutrality. Right. And can, can I ask you, what, when, when you were a member of the Defence Forces, if you yeah. were put in a position of going to Ukraine, for instance, to train people in terms of using their rifles, which is, is, is obviously oh, yeah. a lethal weapon, would you, have, would you have any problem with that? You could have a problem with it, but you keep it to yourself, man. You, you'd go because no, you'd, you'd be, be ordered to go, law. is that it? Yeah. You'd be bound by military law. Just as simple right. as that. Military law is a terrible, terrible millstone around. You see, there, I was just looking. You take the Garda Representative Association there, where they're looking for their, you know, their, their overtime uh, schedule and that issue yeah. that was going on. Yeah. Now, they have great lobbying power because, you see, they have, they have direct contact with the people in their, in the, in, you know, in the course of their duty and their, their, their everyday life, like, yeah. you know. But the army don't have that kind of uh, contact or, or familiarity with the people, so we don't get that kind of backing, you know. So, mm. like, even though our we have a representative a representative association, we can't go as far as to get a representative association I on any issues because we're bound by military law. Right, but I take your point that we see the guardy every day on our streets yes, and, yes. And, uh, yeah, and, yeah. and it's a different ball game. All right. What do you think is going to happen in the end? Do you think our neutrality is going to be just... I think, I think we'll have to... We'll have to... We'll, we'll look at... We'll have to, we'll, have to, we'll have to sacrifice a percentage of it anyway, you know, because... I mean, the ongoing issues there, I mentioned, Shannon Airport and things like that. And you have the, the whole the whole modern-day... You know, uh, you know, we're not surrounded by water anymore, and God help us, you know, hang up your surrounded by water. That's not the issue anymore. Mm. There's so many influences, like, because of the modern technology and everything, you know, kind of. Yeah, and our participation, you know, kind of remember the European Union now and everything like that, you know, and a lot of the influence will come from outside, like, you know. It won't be really entirely up to ourselves either, to be, you know, to, remit, to maintain our neutrality. All right, Billy. Well, a pleasure to talk to you and look That's after yourself. That's a problem. Thanks, thanks so much, Billy. Thank you and good morning right to you. Right. Bye bye. bye, bye now. Now. Take care. Bye bye. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven. The text and WhatsApp is zero eight three three double one double three double one. Back in just a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Right across the news today, the problem gambling is 10 times more common in Ireland than previously thought, with one in 30 adults suffering from negative experiences associated with gambling. Now, new research from the Economic and Social Research Institute found that problem gamblers were each spending an average of more than €1,000 a month on gambling. Now, as you're well aware, Ash Irene Care is one of the country's uh, most well-known addiction centres and they've been in existence for uh, 40 years at this point. And Sarah Cassidy is Head of Clinical Services at Ash Irene and joins me now. Good morning to you, Sarah. Good morning, friend. And good to talk to you today and thanks for your time uh, this morning. Um, That figure, 10 times higher than the previous study from 2019, Sarah, are you surprised by what you've been hearing? No, I'd say that's very accurate. Um, it's a better representation from what we would see. Um, looking at who we've treated this this year up as far as August, we've worked with 81 people dealing with the issues of compulsive gambling. So 
34 individuals have come for treatment for compulsive gambling just in care alone in Tipperary and 47 family members. So the family members are obviously needing a huge amount of support when you consider the economic strain and pressure that it puts on a family. Um, it's, it's extreme. So I would say it's very accurate and definitely they're showing that under 30s are coming in as far more prevalent and I'd agree with that for the fact that it's so accessible now on phones. Um, you know, it can be done so insidiously even all throughout the night. It can be done at any time gambling now, you know. So the culture of Ireland with the pub and the bookies next door it still exists, obviously. Um, it's a big issue, but the phones now are causing a massive problem. Where is the line drawn, Sarah, between problem gambling and addiction, if you know what I mean? Um, yeah, no, absolutely. There, there's a big distinction because, you know, some people might be very fortunate and can have the odd flutter and it's not a problem whatsoever. That's absolutely fine. Where the issue occurs is obviously where there's consequences that are fairly dramatic for a person affecting different life areas that's when you have a problem, problem gambling. And then the compulsive piece kicks in when somebody has the actual inability to stop, regardless of the very last euro being gone. Not complete inability to stop, defying logic. Yeah, our, our notion as well, Sarah, of what gambling is, is interesting. I mean, you know, I was interested to read that the most common forms of gambling were lotteries and scratch cards. And it's almost as if we believe those to be sort of benign forms of gambling. In fact, many of us might not even see that as gambling. Yeah, no, absolutely. That that would be a myth that people have had over all the years that, that that doesn't cause the same difficulties. But it certainly does because the same compulsion occurs where people are buying an extreme amount of scratch cards on a daily basis. Shopkeepers around the, the country will have noticed this where um, and oftentimes that's more female gamblers are coming in and buying multiple um, scratch cards at, an, at a time or getting their cheque or pension and, and the whole lot going on, scratch cards. So, yeah, it's the same effect. You know, it's the same effect, the, the same buzz people trying to um, win. And when they don't win, they're trying to chase the losses. Yeah, it's interesting. And you mentioned women there as well, Sarah. I mean, I know the problem gambling, it seems to be less widespread in women, but it's on the rise all the same. It's definitely on the rise. We're seeing more and more um, women presenting for treatment for compulsive gambling. The thing about it is, though, Fran, uh, what concerns me is many compulsive gamblers and their families don't necessarily get as far as coming for treatment because um, the major insurance companies, a lot of those won't even recognize that they, uh, gambling as uh, an illness in itself, so they won't fund it, fund, fund treatment the same way they would for alcohol or gambling or for drugs. And the other difficulty is a lot of times compulsive gamblers aren't necessarily presenting at the HSE substance misuse teams because it's not alcohol and it's not drugs, so they're less um, quick to go to the substance misuse teams and get the HSE's help. So then there's further pressure for a family to try and come up with the cost of treatment on top of the losses and deaths that may have occurred because of the compulsive gambling. So it's it's a horrible situation for people. And the ripple effect on the families then again, obviously, Fran, is phenomenal. Absolutely horrendous. 
the socio-economic breakdown on this as well. Again, we all might have presumed that this might be, you know, among people of limited means, to say the least. But again, according to the now, I know this is a different kind of a study in how it was conducted, but it's still giving me the impression that it's more across the board than we we might have yeah. believed in in the past, Sarah. Yeah. Oh, certainly. I'd say, for example, the people that would have come into treatment to us would be across all. Um, socioeconomic status is like we would have we've had businessmen in the past and they're they're scheduled for an admission date on a specific date and they've lost 60 grand the night before wow. you know like it's just wow. shocking but people will gamble to whatever means they have so if the illness exists it'll be whatever means it has and just, you know if I only have 100 euros left it's the same as somebody else that might have 50 grand left, but they'll, they'll gamble the whole lot here regardless. You know. um, the study is to inform, I suppose, the reforming of, of gambling legislation and the like. Sarah, what would you like to see in that reformation? What, what do you think should be in there? Well, I definitely feel that it needs to be recognised in a greater way that compulsive gambling is an illness for those that, that struggle with it. Um, and so the attention and the coverage, you know, the help needs to be provided for them. Um, one of our biggest concerns is the mental health aspect because the prevalence of suicidal ideation or actual people following through in suicide as a result of compulsive gambling in the under 30 males is very high. And that should be prevented, obviously, by better awareness and better services. Um, so all of those pieces need to be looked at for sure. So in the recent times, the Gamblers Awareness Trust has been set up and they've tried to help um, people get services within the organisation. So certainly they've given us a grant in our area to upskill staff and make sure that counsellors are really up to speed on how to work with compulsive gambling. So that's a help, but it needs to be further recognised. Yeah, and in, in terms of the, the, the scratch cards and the lotteries, and, in, you know, in a lot of cases, these are fundraisers for good causes, or at least some of the money's yeah. coming from them. are So it, it almost sort of makes it okay in some sort of way. Does that need to be looked at in legislation as well, do you think? I think certainly needs to be looked at, and, you know, whether or not, it's, it's very hard to manage because, um, obviously, that's somebody's free choice to, to spend what they want on it. Um, but it does need to be considered and maybe more publicly around the problematic element of it, um, just so that the general public would be a little bit more aware when somebody is getting a little carried away with the, with the lottery or the scratch cards, you know, and not just turning a blind eye. Like, Ireland will often give scratch cards in... In birthday cards, you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. you know, as yeah. a birthday card or Christmas presents, and that would have been seen as absolutely fine. Um, but if somebody is struggling with an issue, then obviously that's not a, a, a good present, you know. Um, but the same way we give a bottle of whiskey at Christmas, you know what I mean? Of so, course, without even thinking about consequences. Yeah, I suppose, no, we wouldn't or... be thinking about it, no. But I worked in the States for a long time, and equally, the slot machines and the little machines were a very big problem. Um, over there, and that's certainly still a problem over here, even still machines. Yeah, it's interesting because that was going to be my final question to you, Sarah. I mean, by comparison to other nations and internationally, are are we prone to gambling more? Is it more in our our DNA to 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 gamble? I think similar to our 
culture historically with alcohol were quite similar with the gambling. You know, when you consider that so many bookmakers are right beside a pub, seem to be the norm and go hand in hand to after they place the best. You know, the way it's yes, been a real yeah. culture uh, for us in Ireland, for sure. Um, but the other, the movement towards sports gambling and gambling on the phone, that, that's a whole different insidious kind of piece. Somebody will see someone going into the bookmakers, but they don't see them on the phone in the car, you know, betting away uh, unbeknownst to everybody. Yeah. Is is it a good thing that this is published today and the fact we're all having conversations around this now? Definitely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. The more conversation, the better. And then people will have the courage potentially to seek help and to ring up, you know, the likes of Ashari to get support or help or guidance, you know, much more likely once it's been discussed. For sure. All right, Sarah, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks thanks very much for coming on with me. Thank you. No, thanks for good, having us, friend. Take good, care. Good morning to you. That's Sarah Cassidy there, and Sarah is Head of Clinical Services at Ashiree, based in uh, care. And, of course, needless to say, the people at Ashiree would be more than happy to talk to you if you have an issue with gambling or indeed somebody that's uh, close to you. 1800-938-007. Pat was on to say that the the bookies were always there. Should we have allowed online gambling is the question. And uh, scratch cards in our shops daily. That's a very good point, Pat. And maybe it's something we need to, to look at because once again, from that study, the most common form of gambling, and we're talking about gambling now that is a problem, most common form, lotteries and scratch cards. Interesting. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slotteries of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slotteries Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slotteriesgarage.ie Green Party MEPs have called on the Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnellogue, um, to vote against a proposal to renew the authorisation of glyphosate or glyphosate even, uh, next week. Now, this is a chemical substance used in a number of herbicide products and it's uh, in use in Europe. And it's currently approved until December of this year. But a proposal by the European Commission to renew the authorisation for the next 10 years has been discussed by EU member states. By the way, what we're talking about here basically is Roundup. And that's that's how we would uh, know this particular uh, product. Now, Martin spoke to me on this subject a few weeks ago and he joins me again this morning. Good morning to you, Martin. Good morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you again. Last time we spoke about this, you were extremely informative about it indeed. Uh, to begin with, do you agree with the Green Party calling on Charlie McConnell to vote against a proposal to um, extend the authorisation on this for 10 years? Uh, of course I would. I, I, I don't understand the justification for even allowing it on the market as it is like. I mean, the science is there like and. and the law is their law case. They're there to back up removing it from the market. So I, from my own opinion, I don't know why it's still actually on the market. Yeah, concerns about the safety certainly emerged from the WHO and they concluded in 2015 that it probably causes cancer. But I know there's a lot of other studies out there that's disagreeing with this, Martin, you know, and saying that it isn't a threat to, to human health. But I suppose any way to look at that is, is there's um from my understanding is when you're doing any research on the, if you want to do independent research on glyphosate or I'm not sure about GMOs but that's where I picked it up I was actually looking at the 
Seralini report. Mm. He was actually studying um, GMOs and no, no, wasn't really looking at glyphosate as such. And basically, he got hammered. Like he was independent. There was no, a number of those scientists with him, and they absolutely hammered. But he wasn't looking at glyphosate. But what he realised was they wouldn't give him the, the GMO products to do the research. He had to kind of manufacture them himself. But from what he was, from what I understand, she had to only run it for three months. And he had to terminate the research after three months, and they had to be part of, a part of the study. So in other words, after three months, it was all the tumours came on the rest, and they weren't even looking at it. They were looking at the impact of GMO. They weren't looking at glyphosate as such, but they're actually using it because, from what I understand, that uh, plant, the GMO plants, um, you can spray around on them after the growing, kills, up, kills off all the weeds or, or products you don't want, basically, in the, in the field. So yeah. there is other there is other um, opinions out there, but I mean you're going again the census like. Yeah, and I mean I know that there's billion dollar lawsuits uh, happening at the moment over the particular product. It's interesting though that Germany, along with some other EU countries, I mean have just decided to ban completely the use of uh, glyphosate uh, absolute from this year. They they're they're just banning it. So. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of look at it from the point, there's question about it. Like, science isn't supposed to be replicated. Like, fair enough, our, our producers want to hide the science. They don't want any, for commercial reasons. But you should have independent uh, independent bodies that can actually take that science and replicate it. And there should be no real restrictions on it. Like, if it says, if it, says it does this, well, then it should be able to repeat that. And they should be able to find if there's any side effects right like or side effect issues with it, they should show up as well, and they should be clearly defined. But it's like, from what I can, from what I can see now myself, it's like they want to hide the side effects. They don't want to, anyone to know about them. I don't know. Is, is it just for profit? Do you think, is it just a profit issue? Well, the, the the guidance coming from the European Food Safety Authority. I mean, what they're saying, and this, this, I mean, according to the Minister and the Department of Agriculture, they'll be guided by this, but they're saying that on the basis of extensive reviews and public consultation, uh, the product can be used safely without putting consumers or users at risk. Now, that's coming from the EFSA. You know? uh, uh, but I'd, I'd have to ask, where again the funding and what research are they, for, are they um, using? You think there's vested, uh, well, vested interest in this? Yeah, but sure, if you think about it, from what I can understand, like you can't get research funding unless you kind of play ball. If you don't, if you don't re- do the research they want, they're not going to fund it. Or even, even, even the universities. I mean, where do they get their, their actual funding from? Like, does government actually fund the science? Who actually funds the science? And what science do they want funded? Like, do they cherry pick? What they want. And are you telling me that in terms of scientific research, depending on who's funding it, it might skew the results in some way, do you? Well, I suppose, look, I'm not telling you, just from what you can read, you kind of pick it up as you go along reading, you kind of think to yourself, well, how do they actually get through the regulations and who are the people who are actually doing the research? Who's paying for it, like? So these are questions like that need to be clearly answered. Like, I mean, these people who are doing the research, they need to clearly say where they're getting the funding from and what's the stipulations in, in the funding. Like, what can and can't you do? Like, And, I mean, 10 years is a long time to extend this. I mean, if there's any doubt about these products whatsoever, to extend their use for 10 years is questionable, is it not? Uh, uh, I suppose the question, well, there's a thing there for the manufacturer side. What do you do with a product that 
that has to be taken off the market automatically. What will they do with it, like? Is it a gradual phase out where they can actually get rid of the product so they can just shut it down? I suppose there are questions that could be logically asked about it, but sure. So you're disappointed about this, obviously. No, no, no. I, I'm not disappointed at all about it. I, I, I understood that this, this would happen. Did you? Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't think there'd be any change, to be honest with you, with you about it. Right. But I knew myself. And I, I go back to a thing there about, um, I said, and, and on the, when I was talking to you previously, I said, uh, there's a documentary, if you look at it, Can Farmers Grow Money? Mm. Like, from that documentary, it was based in the EU and they were showing the German minister. And it took, uh, I think it was a Spanish professor, I think it took a Spanish professor off the top of my head, I'm not sure now I can be corrected. It took him two years to map the connections between all of the of the vested bodies and the people in Parliament, and people, the decision makers, I call them, or the gatekeepers. It took him two years to map those um, connections. And you could see that he eventually overlapped them. You could see them all, it was like five spidering out, like all connected, but you couldn't see it. It wasn't... It wasn't obvious as such. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, something you brought up with us last time around as well, even if you decided, OK, there'll be none of this use on, on my land, um, yeah. it's irrelevant if you have a next-door neighbour who's doing it. and Because, I mean, the but, possibility is it's getting into our soil, it's getting into our water, I suppose. Yeah, that's, and then, then, that's the other side of it. What about the government now at the moment are pushing the environment, environment, yeah. environment? yeah. And yet you have a product that lost its law case that it's not heard into the Supreme Court won't hear because far as they're concerned the site is done. And though what's funny thing about we don't really hear about that. I find that strange that such we don't hear about it on the mainstream media talking about this issue because it does affect lives, it does impact on the environment mm. and, and everybody and we don't hear about it. But that is the other issue about it, like the environment. What about the environment going into the water, into the soil? Into, into and look at the bees, look there's an oral case they're brought in if anyone has time, they would look up bear, bear, and the bees, mm. and look at what look what happened there. Like the, the from, from my understanding, it was the German local government that paid off the beekeepers. That's my understanding of it. And also, they kind of scuppered the science, and and actually, the scientists went along down their own study, and they and first they conclusively concluded that uh, I think it was nicotinoids, the, the dressing on the seeds, it actually went straight through the whole plant, all the way through the plants, and affected all the plants. But look, I think I people guess. do their own. If you do your own research, sure. And, and, and Martin, mind. I'm I'm not familiar at all with the product. But do you know that if you buy a container with this product, whether it's Roundup or or whatever in it, has it warnings on on the on the yeah, can or, or the bottle or whatever it comes in? I have to be, I have to be honest with you. Brian, I bought a, I bought a gallon of it there about oh, a number of years ago, mm. and I used it a couple of times before I knew anything. Yes. And I haven't read it since. It's there, but it's like it's come to. I don't know what to do with it. How how do you dispose of it? I don't know what to do with it. I just left it there, but I haven't read the, the label warnings on it. Okay. But yeah. it goes back to it goes back to the usage of it. From what from what I, I that was it. Mr. Johnson was was a was a gardener. People seem to attack him. He was using spring on the gar of some garden for maintenance, garden maintenance, and the hose busted on on the applicator or something, and he got drenched with it. But from I was listening to him speak, and he said he phoned the, the the company themselves to ask how to clean it off, and they never came back to him. And then he phoned them again, and they never came back to him. Wow! So you see, you you can listen to these people talking, yeah. 
Yeah. And if you kind of say to yourself, oh my God, like... Right, but you always but advocate I, that people would do their own research on... Oh, look, if you don't do your own research, yeah. look, you're just being... Basically, you're just being... Like, if, if you went to college, you're just being spoon-fed a certain amount of information. Pardon, pun spoon-fed now. Yeah. But you're just being given yeah. a certain amount of information. You're told to go and research everything. Do your own research and find out for yourself and put it together. Right. And kind of, if you don't do that, like you just what so people. My attitude: you don't have to believe anything I say. I don't expect anybody to believe what I say, because mm. as it is, I'm just learning. I just read yes. and look and learn, and it's just an open mind. But I'd have to ask serious questions about the regulators. Oh, oh my God! I'd have to, my attitude. My attitude to the regulators: if the corporation got fined, what was it, ten billion? My attitude is the regulators should get fined ten billion as well, and they should be sacked. They should be absolutely sacked. Yeah, well, we, we, we saw how little use regulation has been in various different aspects of, of our lives uh, over the it's past worthless. few decades. It's worthless. Martin, it's worthless. Uh, I must leave it there, but thank you so much for your time this morning and thanks for coming back on with me where that is uh, concerned. Another big topic we've been discussing this week is health and the various problems with uh, accessing services. Eileen was in touch with us on this and she joins me now. Eileen, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you this I'm, morning? I'm very well indeed, Eileen. Good to talk to you this morning. You're making the point that, you know, things can be improved and you're pointing towards Waterford Hospital and how they're dealing with trolley crisis and, and uh, numbers and that kind of thing. Yeah, well, a good friend of mine who was a nurse in um, University Hospital Waterford uh, spoke to me there recently and I said to her, how come I said you're not mentioned on this trolley watch? I said, no, she said, I'll tell you why. In two words, good management. So I went on then to ask for why all this overcrowding and what's happening in hospitals all over the country. Well, she said, you go back 20 years, 10 years, you never heard of anybody on trolleys. And the number of people going into hospital was far, far less than what it is now anyway. I said, right, okay. Now, there are people, she said, going into hospital, A&E or otherwise, who need to be going in. Oh, mm-hmm. goodness, I said, right. Well, she said, and this, I'll tell you why, she said, um, there are people going in with very, well, minor, in inverted commas, complaints, problems, cuts, bruises, gashes, that can be treated by the local GP as well as by a nurse. So I said, you know, that's that's that's, that's adding to the crowding, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and, and the problems. I mean, my, I have a family member living quite close to University Hospital Limerick. And it's, as we all know, it's chaotic up mm. there and everybody mm. knows that. I mean, the ambulances are queuing up there. The helicopter is coming and going all day long. I know a helicopter is being called, of course, for, unfortunately, mm. for accidents mm. and very seriously ill people. But, I mean, the management there, there's not making a comparison. They're excellent as well, obviously, but they're absolutely and utterly snowed under, to use the cliche. Now, the extra it's numbers could be, could, could be explained, of course, there's been a huge increase in, in population over the last uh, decade or Pardon so me? as well. There's been a huge increase in population, and that might explain some of the extra numbers. But you're right about where management is concerned, but they seem to have a handle on it in Waterford in terms of how they negotiate with consultants and doctors, and they have them working um, right through the seven days and that kind of thing. And they're able to have people vacate beds pretty soon, you know, after their, their treatments and stuff. It, it It's just better managed, isn't it? Absolutely. And as well as that, they took the overflow from um, Westford County Hospital there when they had the when they had the fire there the fire, last year. Yes. And they coped yeah. well with that. Yeah. 
So I think every other hospital in the country, use the cliches, should take a leaf out of the yeah. Waterford Regional Hospital Management situation. Well, well, there's the question, Eileen, though. I mean, why isn't it used as a blueprint for other hospitals that are having issues then okay there mightn't be as many people uh, by a long shot going through its doors by comparison to what's happening in Limerick but I'm sure there's a lot to be learned from it yeah but what about Beaumont and the Dublin hospitals surely the population is there as well isn't it yeah yeah and uh, what about yourself have you experience of of hospitalisation Eileen or sorry pardon me have you uh, experience of being hospitalised have you been in I haven't done something I certainly have not, and I haven't been in hospital once in my lifetime with pneumonia, and I'm in my late 70s. Well, good on you, good on you. So thanks be to God for that. I'm so grateful for that, you know. Yeah. I mean, I've had the usual, I mean, since I was a child, I mean, we, I think there was no such thing as MMRs or injections or vaccines or anything. I had measles mumps, Mm. the hooping coffee, and even the whole lot when I was was a child, fell off the bicycle. Mm. Hardly ever been to the doctor. Both my parents... Never in a hospital. Well, my mom, my mom was. She lived to be in her nineties. My dad was in his eighties, and um, she had a hip replacement. And apart from that, as regards Fantastic. illness, and uh, what never do you, hospital, you know? what do you put your good health down to, Eileen? I suppose is it lifestyle, possibly. Yeah. That's generally, I mean, uh, the overall situation. I think. Was, I mean, now we're living in, in an era in. You know, we're told we're in this affluent society and we have good, supposedly good nutrition, good everything. But have we? You'd often wonder. I mean, going back since I was a child, with none of those, not alone had we had we insulated houses or double or triple glazing windows with no electricity with draft under the door. And we all survived, you know. Yeah, and survive better in terms of yeah. Now maybe cases. I'm going back. I might be told I was out of Ireland's own, but I mean that that is that yeah. is reality, you know. And uh, do, do you mind me asking? Like, would you be conscious about exercise and diets and all of that kind Pardon of? Thing? Me? Sorry. Would you be conscious of exercising, Eileen, and diets? And oh, all I would. Of that? I would. Yeah. Yep. Myself, I do. I do quite a lot of walking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and I never smoked. I never took a drink. I, I drink. I don't drink alcohol, or yeah. I never smoked in my life. Maybe that has a, that has a, that's a help too. Neither did my parents. Yeah, well, I'm I'm sure it is a, a help. And of yeah, course, yeah. M- most of us now are living on junk food and sweet stuff oh, and know. all of that sort of nonsense. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that's sure. it. Well, I think that's it. Anyway, I think as regards as regards the hospital situation, I think everybody, the whole every hospital in the country, and you know, the whole HSE and the whole lot should, should really compliment Waterford because they're excellent on there. All right, Eileen. Well, you make your point very well and thank you and uh, much more good health uh, to you. Good to talk to you today, Eileen. 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie uh, Welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today, 1800-938-007. Pat says the road safety campaign are addressing tyres 
at the moment. One area is to have them uh, correctly inflated. All of the service stations now have this pay system and it's very difficult to use it. Do you know I agree with you uh, on that? That new system of inflating uh, the tyres, I, I find it extremely difficult to use anyway for some reason or other. Maybe it's an age thing, who knows? Um, listen around to say the medical system is a pure joke. The earliest appointment I can get with my doctor for a flu injection is the 3rd of November and I suffer from chronic asthma. So uh, it's not only hospitals that are having uh, problems, as one of our listeners. Um, Fran, the medical card patients should only be allowed a certain amount of hospital visits. If uh, there are people constantly attending, uh, had to pay, they wouldn't be going as often, says Anne-Marie. Rather controversial viewpoint, I would say there. And Marie Bryan was on to say your contributor is correct. Research is funded by the industry. This is referring to our chat about Roundup and uh, pesticides and the like. Uh, Brian goes on to say it also applies to pharmaceuticals. You can make your mind up about what the result of the studies are going to be. And the governments comply because they don't want chemical and pharmaceutical companies leaving uh, the country. Somebody else saying and this is playing into the... Uh, news today about the amount of people gambling, problem gambling in this country. Listen, says, I'm a female gambler for years. It's a sickness. I love it. I hate it, but I need it. I've seen people who have gotten help and seen them returning to uh, gambling. It certainly is a huge issue for sure. Uh, the media minister, she says that uh, the two external reviews into RTE will dictate its future funding model. Now, the Oireachtas Media Committee heard that no more than €16 million euro would be given to the broadcaster before their strategic plan is completed. The minister in question, of course, is Catherine Martin. Um, but she wouldn't be drawn on the exact figure expected in the budget next week. But she did confirm that Kevin Backhurst, who is the, what is he, he's director general, isn't he, um, would not have the plans ready as previously promised and stated. Uh, Bernie was in touch with us about TV licences and joins me now. Bernie, good morning to you. And uh, can you hear me properly, Bernie? I can. Can you hear me? Oh, you can. I can now. Sorry. I can now. But <laughs> it's it, good to talk to you today. You're going to refuse to pay your license, Bernie. I have actually refused. I'm not. I've got several red letters in the door. I'll be totally honest with you. I paid a television license up until last until this scandal broke. <clears throat> yes. Me. I've religiously paid my license every year without fail. And I just refuse. RTE, friend, are an absolute disgrace. I know their government, their state. Uh, bodies, they're a joke and they're using Ryan Tuberty as uh, a scapegoat. Like, Dee Forbes has cried sick again. I don't know the situation with Dee Forbes. She's a human being after all, but herself and Ryan Tuberty got the brunt of what's going on. Was he thrown under the bus, Bernie, do you think? uh, I I never watched The Late Late Show. He just, the only one I used to watch on The Late Late was Gay Byrne, God rest him, Mm. and Pat Kenny, God Mm. rest Kenny, they were the only two that I would sit down and watch because I just liked their interview interview skills. Mm. And it's the same with Pat Kenny at times on Newstalk. I just find his interview skills very good mm. and he's kind of compassionate towards people. Ryan Tuberty, I met him when he started out in RT back in 2003. Mm. And um, I found him okay, but mm. I just couldn't want to the man. I don't know, it's not impersonal towards him. I just found him mm. very patronising. So you weren't, you weren't a just, fan? Yeah. I was not a fan, but I'm not holding that against him. Yeah. There is other presenters in RT presently at the minute on shows, and they should be just, I'm sorry, they should be given their P60. Do right? you think so? Or P45. Yeah. It's just a joke at the minute, and they need another body to come in and shake them up. Like. 
yeah. or go independent something. And it's always the public. The people that are working hard, paying money, paying into taxes, we're the ones that are getting the brunt of it. It's the very same as another the bank, the banking scandal there recently. Everyone that didn't touch that money that went into their accounts have to pay for their the bank's mistake. It happened to me actually with a government body last year with my ESB yeah. and the lady got to keep her job and I had to pay I had to pay over two and a half grand of a bill because she never switched me over from um, pay as you go electricity to standard electricity. She left me on both. Wow, and so I ended up having to pay. I had and the ESB I went to other bodies to help me and because I was working and I had to pay it and I had six months to pay it and they they stated that I had to pay what they wanted me to pay. I had to pay two hundred and thirty out of my wages. So, so there's, there's a lot off. of unfair stuff happening. You you do know, Bernie, and I don't mean to patronise you, but you do know that if you refuse to pay your TV licence, you could end up with a fine of a thousand euro. Or I know that. Yeah. I know. I understand that. And, and you're prepared for that, are you? I'm prepared. I am prepared. You can't draw blood out of the stone. I'm actually out. I'm out on ill health at the minute with an unpaid number, and I'm. I'm you, your phone line is just breaking up a little bit on me, Bernie. It may be Sorry. where where you're standing. You might just shift position for 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 a can moment. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. You you were about um, to say to me, Bernie. I'm actually out on ill at the minute through. I'm state employed. Like I'm working with the health company that's all that's I on on sneeze at the minute hmm. with hospitals and everything. But we're not looked after either. The staff. I've got on COVID, and I'm not. I'm just out living on my social welfare. My, what I paid in yeah. to my stamps. That's what, and I'm trying to rear to a family of boys. And I'm on my own, but I'm not. If I go in front of the judge, I'll explain everything. You can't draw st- blood out of yes. a turnip, you know. And anyway, they have collected. I don't know. They RT have finance. They've collected loads of money. Mm-hmm. They're going to get loads of money from the, the coffers anyway. I mean, she's going to give them 16 million, but I mean, that's only a drop in the ocean by comparison to what the, the RT are going to need in the coming years, you know? Friend, RT needs to give up the ghost. Seriously. They need to bow out now. And, and what, do, you have a bit of do, you, do you know their constant argument, Bernie, is that, you know, they're the public service broadcaster and their importance to, you know, fair coverage of Friend, all the topics? The BBC are a public broadcaster in England. You don't hear this scandal that's going on over in England. I'm sorry. Hmm. I am totally sorry, but the, the RTE need to give the Irish public a bit of a bit of a break now with our coppers and our what we're paying in and everything. They need to at least rectify this. They need to give us gracious a gracious payment of a free TV license for everyone of the Irish public for the next three years. Yeah, I, I saw recently in terms of uh, uh, brand loyalty, they were the very very bottom of uh, the list. They were uh, number 150 of 150 in terms of brand loyalty in this country. D- that doesn't surprise you, I guess. No, nothing surprises me with anything to do with the government or the state um, state bodies. They're an absolute out-and-out joke. They need to be brought they need to be brought to task and be accounted for what's going on because the Irish public are getting sick of it now. We're bailing and constantly bailing them out. We're going to go into a recession again, like it has to stop somewhere. It's like with the HSE, it's down to management. And as that lady said before the news about Washford Hospital, mm. it need, people need to be held accountable. Yeah. But they're not being held accountable because I scratched her back, you scratched mine. And D Ford's and Ryan Tuberty were scapegoats. There was another woman. She called the, 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 the Rose Trillium, which 
died, but she she was also part of the Renaultis. She would not give back her her mm. thing. So blind mm. poverty is used as a scapegoat, and I'm not. I've no grievance against the poor man, but still, he offered to pay back the money, but he hasn't paid it back yet. Yeah, so well, obviously more well of course, he's, he, he's probably in a situation at the moment where he's not earning, so it might be more difficult. Uh, friend, hello. I don't yeah. see um, BBC One and Tim. I don't see TV3. PG4. Yeah. Sorry, I don't see them all running through his door. Yeah. You know, uh, what goes around comes around. Yeah, but, but but I mean that's an interesting that's an interesting point you're you're making because all of these top so-called stars in RTE the reason that we were told they were paid so much money was because RTE wanted to hang on to them and stop uh, other companies from poaching them but it looks as you say like as if there's not a queue to hire I'm sorry, I'm, I apologize but I apologize I don't see I, if he was there with this apparent no Kelly or whatever whoever his um, agent was mm. There was another a celebrity that's on every day between lunchtime. He made a complete and utter sceptical of himself last week, saying that he um, he caught he caught on on out. He brought him to task online at, on his lunchtime show. He then said, and he's getting, I'd say, four times more than what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Or four, he's getting way more than I'll ever see. And he said, I did not come down the Liffey and a donut, and he got slated for that. Like. So, like, he's another one, a pompous person that he needs to borrow as well. Good luck, thanks. Your show needs to be rejuvenated. All right. so There's you... another woman at the weekend. She's another one. Hmm. She never got tied up in all the things, but she's a patronising interviewer on RT. She needs to go. She's so not you... alone on the telly, you... she's on the radio as well. You will not pay your licence then? You're, you're completely I will absolute not. about no, I refuse, and even now, if, if they come to my door, the television licence, like, I will fight. I will. I'm sorry, I'm not failing the Irish government or the Irish broadcaster out. I'm sorry. And if people take a dislike to that or mm. slate me over it, I'm standing my ground. Yeah, but, but because do, no one is. But, but you know what? The, the, irony, the irony of this, Bernie, is that indirectly you will be bailing them out because it will be taxpayers' money that will bail them out, you know? But you see, if, all our ta- if all, most of the population decide to stand in unity, it's united we stand, divided we fall. Yeah. We have to stand up to this government. I'm actually, I'm actually dreading the budget next week. Why? I really am. Why? I'm, I'm a single parent, working single parent, right? I'm not looking for no sympathy. I'm rearing my own family. I'm paying, I'm paying colossal rent, right? I'm out on sick leave at the moment presently, and I hope to go back to work. But with long COVID, I don't know what the situation is. I don't know what God holds for me. But I'm dreading the government. I could not get fuel allowance last week. I could not get another payment because I'm drawing the wrong payment. How am I supposed to fuel my house? I don't have all the state-of-the-art sciences and all this stuff that's going on for Eamon Ryan and all his BS. I'm, I cut my turf. I harvest my turf during the summer. I go out to the bus and do it like. You know, but I'm dreading the budget because they're again, they're getting away with what they're doing and it's the taxpayers have to do it. We'll have to bail them out and stuff. And I don't the, see them giving a reduced rate the, on the universal service charge. The, the anger I that, still have to pay that. The anger that you're expressing to me, Bernie, is that common among the the circle that you would move in? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. My friend, I'm in the cash I'm in the age group of I'm early forties, right? My cash degree and even I've a son of twenty four. Even his attitude towards the Irish he has no respect for the Irish government. He's working, he's paying his taxes and everything. I don't see them giving me a reduced rate on my universal service charge. I still have to pay that. I still have to pay my union. 
I, it comes out of my week when I get taxed yeah. back from work. I, I'm getting no payment from work. I'm actually dipping into my pension, if you truth be known, my TRR. And I'm even fighting with my employer to get that. So, like, yeah. they don't look after it. You're grand. You worked through COVID. Yeah, you, you were compensated with thousand euro. I'm, comp- I'm compensated by getting a long-term illness that I've never missed work in my life until the last two years. I've worked all the way up long. I'm in my present assignment for going on 20 years. All right, Bernie. Well, we'll leave it there, but thank you so much for coming on with us uh, today. And uh, that's Bernie, and she's absolute. She will not pay her TV licence. She's aware of the consequences, possibly, of not paying her her licence, but she feels that strongly about it. What do you think about that? 1800 938 007. Mick was saying, um, how can um, uh, Bernie... Uh, said that Dee Forbes was a scapegoat. She was captain of the ship. It all happened under her watch. Of course, we haven't heard from uh, Dee Forbes, uh, Forbes on that, as you know, Mick, because she's uh, uh, she's unwell, uh, seemingly. Uh, I wonder what Anne-Marie would say when she's on uh, the medical card, um, when she's an old-age pensioner trying to get services. My special needs son and myself only use our medical card when needed, and he suffered from a serious uh, medical issue uh, that can need A&E on a regular basis. What does uh, she suppose I would do with him? If he only attends a few times a year, I am his fully family, I am his full family carer and his mum. Uh, I had to give up work to care for him. I paid my taxes when I worked. Uh, shame on you for your blame game. Place the blame where it needs to be and that will be on the government, the Department of Health and the HSE. Do not blame a person on a medical card. You will only receive one if you qualify Forrest is one of our listeners. Um, a listener on as well, I seem to have lost the uh, message, but basically it's saying that uh, uh, traffic in Thurless this morning is absolutely chaotic. And uh, this person, I, as I say, I can't find the message, but she was making the point that she had to abandon the car at one stage to, to make the school, to make it to the earth line. So I'm not sure is there something in particular happening in Thurless this morning or is it generally as chaotic as that uh, 083 311 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer Slattery's Garage Pecan the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County Slattery'sGarage.ie Bookselling Ireland, uh, the Committee of Booksellers Association members representing bookshops big and small from right across uh, the country, together with uh, Publishing Ireland has announced plans for Irish Book Week 2023. Now the celebration will kick off from Saturday week, the 14th of October. It's in its sixth year at this point. And Irish Book Week, it's a nationwide celebration of bookshops and books and publishers and writers and illustrators and poets and all of that. But one of the ambassadors is a very good friend of the show, Nina-based consultant, endocrinologist and author, Dr Mary Ryan, and she joins me now. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, friend. Lovely to talk to you on this lovely morning. How are you? Good to talk to you as well, Mary. How did you become ambassador, Mary? What what is your link here? Well, I I suppose I was asked to become ambassador, and I'm one of those people that if I can't say yes, I say yes. Yes, yes. (laughs) Even though I'm telling all of you to have the boundaries and say no. But um, no, you know I wrote the book with you very kindly on the show. It's probably your hormones. And the only reason I wrote that book was to try and educate people about their hormones, and in particular women, because, you know, women had very heavy periods. All these things were discussed. And I felt it was time for someone to change the narrative and tell people they should be in three or four days and not seven, eight, nine, and ten days. So that was the reason 
that that I wrote it, and mm. then Gill Books, who who published it, asked me, would I become an ambassador? And I said, well, what does it involve? And they said it's to to basically promote books, uh, you know, and authors around the country. And they'll ask me to go to different bookshops. Mm. And we will be at the weekend, and I just promote books and basically support bookshops. So it's it's a good thing, Fran, because even though I wrote the book, I come from a real book loving family. The do Lynch you? Is my, yes. my mother. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. So my mother is Lynch and there was three girls, three Lynches and two still alive and poor Bridie, my auntie Bridie died two years ago. But the two of them not, not only are the avid readers, they would devour books. And they both, three of them were very busy all through their lives but they still read books way more than doing anything mm, else. Mm. And I'm talking a book a day now, incredible. And they still have kept that up, the two wow. sisters that are alive, still travel and, and share books. And, you know, it, it's fascinating to see. So I suppose that's where I got my love of books. Isn't it great? Um, what, but, what did you yeah. end up, what, what were you reading as a young person, Mary? Can you remember? I suppose... Yeah, I, and at Brighton, I suppose I started yeah, off with too. the you know, the, the seven. Yeah, yeah, I loved that. And then out of Green Gables, I loved yes. all that kindred spirit. Of course, I, I identified with that, you know, yeah. that sort of Carpe Diem thing. Um, so I identified very much with that. And then I suppose I would, would have, you know, moved on then to, to you know, different, um, you know, Mary Higgins Clark, Agatha mm-hmm. Christie, all those yeah. books that my, my mother and, and our aunts would still read, all those. I love thrillers. I love all that sort of thing. Yeah, so yeah. those those sort of books. Is, and, uh, it, is, it, some... is it not the very best education, Mary? Because I'm always drumming this uh, through to, to kids and stuff. I think it, it is the education, is reading, isn't it? Oh, it's brilliant. It expands the mind. Yeah. And even to, for my own children, you know, the, the iPhones and so forth, I, I was always taking them away to make them read a book. Mm. And, and for their own sake, because I saw it, you know, where, where my mother's and, and, and they, they just are, they're so knowledgeable. Mm. They can speak on any subject. Mm. So it gives you that sort of confidence that you can draw on a wide range of history. Because all these books, they don't just cover about it, whatever novel it is. It's always very expensive about a location. It might be a location you never will be at. Mm. But it talks about it. So you're learning about location, um, you know, history of the time and, and, and people and how they think and all that. So there's a load to a book. So I, I would have seen that with my mother and aunt who can just talk on any subject. Yes, so I suppose I wanted to pass that on to my children. And I think our generation of parents really have to fight to make kids do that because with the phone, everything is so instant that they, they would need to be instantly gratified. And of course, with a book, you have to be patient, sit down and read it. But once you pick it up, you won't get... If it's good, you won't put it down. But it's just to make them love that. And I think that's something that I'd love to pass on oh, to, so to it's, children. It's and I the think, greatest gift yeah. you could give them, Mary. Uh, d- reading, oh, so did, did it inspire you to do what you've been doing, Mary, in terms of medicine? Did that come from books? Yeah, I know it did. It did, yeah. because I always loved to, to research, loved to find out, loved to know more, and, and got a great appetite for learning from books. So I, I think definitely. And also, you you know, you identify with different authors on your personality type, I suppose. So at the end of Green Gables, you know, the real kindred spirit, the fun-loving, you know, all that. So, so that sort of identifies with your personality and it probably shapes you a little bit as well as a child if you're identifying with a particular person who's writing about a fantastic episode of their life. So I suppose you, you find yourself in that as well. So so yeah, definitely. But the books shape how we all think and we don't realise that. And and all all what we, be whatever form of media we're listening to, either books or radios or television, you know, that's shaping how you think. So you can, as a, as a person, you can direct how you think by what you choose to read. And that's so important. You know, you make that choice. 
uh, as a person. So I, I think that's very important. When you do go into a bookshop, I suppose if you have an ambassador who's saying, look at these are type of books I think you should be looking at, then that's the sort of thing you might you might be reading. Course, and that could yes. be the books that could change your life. Do you, do you, you know, you love all to, these self-help books now. Do you oh. love to browse, Mary? Because I, I just love bookshops. I love the smell of bookshops, which yeah. I just love bookshops, yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's a bookshop above called Charlie's in Galway. You probably know it. I do indeed. Uh, yes. Charlie's Bookshop. Yeah. And it's a real, it's got all old books, new books, yeah. everything. But all these books are fascinating. And even in Nina uh, Eason's, who did yeah. my book launch, I didn't realise there was that sort of, I didn't see it until I did it. The sort of, there's a whole industry there that I didn't see. Mm. So when you're going in, you know, buying a book, you're all the people that are behind the counter, you're helping to pay their salaries. You know, you're creating a browsing thing for the community, which is wonderful for people. It's lovely for people to come in and not have to buy. They can browse and cup tea upstairs. Mm. There's all that. There's a social to it as well, which is lovely. And as you said, you've all different types. You've got, you know, novels. You've got self-help books. You know, there's so much there that people come in and, and give them a lift. And, what, and that's so important. What was it like? You've enjoyed huge success in your career, Mary. But I'm just wondering, what was it like to be branded an author? <laughs> was, was, was that... Was that was that strange for you to be seen as such? Well, it was. And like so many things that happen in your life, I never set out to do it. You know, yes, and I yeah. think, you know, they talk about manifestation, but I think it just happens if, you know, it's in your path. But, um, no, it was fantastic. And it was particularly for my mother. And, you know, because she she's an avid reader, as I said, and she was very proud. And I loved that, you know, because Mammy is just very gifted in terms of literary. And mm. I was loving that, that she was enjoying that. For, I, I love that she enjoyed it as well. Yes. But it was for me, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And for me, it was more that I, I really wanted to educate the population. I really felt all along, I feel that's something that we need to do as, as mentors is, is educate people keep educating them, give them the right education because so much out there now that's not the proper stuff, you know, it's, there's messages coming through on YouTube and they're not correct yeah, medically. Yeah. So it's important that the right uh, message is getting across and that's what I wanted for men and women to teach them what's the right message and in doing so changing the narrative, bettering people's lives, that they have the knowledge and then they can go into their doctor and, and you know, we'll say, this is what's going on I need to be treated and I just picked a thing like periods where, mm. you know, pe women's periods were never spoken about so now a woman who's seven day periods which is crazy, if you have seven day periods from the age of 12 and, you know, you, you're going to come in to me in your early 20s or late, late teens, absolutely exhausted because you're hormone control center which controls all your muscles is in addition over firing for that amount of years the receptors in your ovaries in your womb and you're getting seven and ten day periods sure you've one week of your of your every month that's completely gone those pet yeah. women are going to come in with cysts endometriosis fibroids as well as being exhausted so all that needs to change and that's how you do it with a book changing the narrative. I couldn't get to everyone otherwise. The, the, the book is called of course it's probably your, your hormones and we spoke to you around yeah. the time of the, the launch Mary. How yeah. was it received Mary? Brilliant and I never yeah. I never set about to do that. I, I was asked to do it by, by Gill Books yeah. and Sarah Lizzie came on and to be honest when she asked me I said Sarah I don't know where I'm going to get the time and she said well Mary it's what you do every day so if you could do it a little bit every night and it took an awful lot longer now than I, I thought I would do it in a jiffy but of course when they're editing it all that takes time so that was another side of it I didn't see it takes two years and I think Donald Ryan who's from Nina mm. also said it takes two years but I wouldn't have known that until I set about doing it because you do it 
it and then you send it to the editor and then they draft it and you know there's a good bit of going forth and back but no I, I'm thrilled with it as I said Fran I genuinely set it you know did it to to um, mm. to educate the, the population um, the re- I think the reason it's so well received is it's, it's written so that everyone can understand it which is so important mm. I think I got that from my mother as a teacher as you know so I got that from if, if you come from a teaching family you're good at speaking and you're you're you know you're trying to explain things so a lot of the, what I hear back is that it's easily re, easily read well explained and I think there was a need for it you know yeah. right across I'm, about very, I'm, not, I'm not sure how many men bought it but it certainly was an education to me to read it because oh, totally. you know yeah, like, yeah totally and, 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 the main, and so many men I beg your pardon oh. Mary and the main thing that struck me from it was a single line where you said that women have struggled to have their health taken seriously because men figure that women are much better at looking after themselves than, than we are. But, you, but you're saying that their health isn't always taken seriously. No, women's health is only in the last eight years. You know, yeah. uh, as it has been taken seriously, women have put up with heavy periods. Uh, it's always been about the end game instead of prevention. And it needs to be prevention. So you're getting at these young girls in their teens. You're going to prevent all the endometriosis, the heavy periods, the suffering. You know, because as I said, the hormone exposure is wrecked by the time they get to their 20s if, if they're going to have very heavy periods. Never mind fibroids, this infertility, mm. endometriosis, all these things. Uh, but in, in addition, perimenopause, menopause, you know, they're around since Adam and Eve. It's only now we're talking about in the last eight years since we've started saying, hang on here, this is the thing that happens, the normal evolutionary process, let's bring it out there so that we avoid suffering. Um, and that, that honestly, was, was the reason I started speaking about it eight, ten years ago when I started on the lectures around the country, because I saw that even though I was in the medical school, very hard to change systems. Yes. And I said, there was another way you can do it, and that's getting the public, teaching them. And once you teach the public, they've got a voice, and they will then that pushes it on and I remember Joe Duffy rang me his researcher said will you come on and I said mm. well, yeah, I was a bit hesitant first mm. and then he said well there's 1.8 million listeners mm. so I thought well that's a good platform let's start there and that's what changed things you know that is what changed things because government then said they had to get involved and, and that's the one thing so if anyone is out there you know and they, they, they really want to make a difference writing a book does make a difference because you reach a lot of people and, and then that's, that's how you can do it but as I said women's health was one I felt was really behind but men as well there was a load of stuff like about libido uh, mm. you know not spoken about in the open which needs to be because a lot of men are very upset about it and very easily treated so all of these things even even for if man or woman if you're overdoing it if you're not sleeping then you're going to be exhausted tired um, and, and that's not depression is, is a diagnosis but a lot of those people aren't depressed they might have been passed off as, as being depressed in actual fact the hormone control centre was just overtired and that's why they're exhausted. Sorry. That's why they're tired. It's very interesting. You know, are you currently, are you writing yeah. a follow-up in some way or are you writing something else, oh. Mary? <laughs> no, Fred. <laughs> no. I'm, sure they want, I'm sure they want that, but I think I'm I'll sure enjoy this now. Yes. And life is so busy at the moment that I'll just enjoy this and, you know, see what comes. <laughs> see what comes down what, what are, are you reading anything in particular at the moment, Mary? Anything you'd recommend to us or have you time even well, at the moment? Uh, yeah, well, no, I do I do love the um, the self-help book. So, mm. you know, I've been, I've told you, Louise, hey, I love. I, I course, dip yes. in and out of that. Yeah. Um, I d- dip in and out of The Secret. Wayne Dyer, I think, has got mm. love, 
his lovely yeah. books as well. So there's a thirteen because to be honest, I'm so busy. I dip in out of things. If I'm on a holiday, I would ring Ag- read Agatha Christie. I love her. I would read M- Mary Higgins Clark. Those sort of books yeah. I would read on a holiday. But but you know during work, I would just dip in and out of those self help books. I'm all into you know I love those sort of books because if I learn something, can pass it on to patient as well, nice. and I can make a difference. So they would Tony Humphrey's books. I love. Yes, um, I think he's he's a yeah. gifted psychologist. So love that. And I suppose I read those so I can pass on the information, the positive stuff to the patient. So yes. that that's where I would. And you, yeah, you yeah. certainly do that in great style indeed. Mary, we wish you well and thank you indeed for coming on uh, with us today. And uh, your own book, it's called It's Probably Your Hormones. It's still in uh, the bookshops there and it's doing extremely All the well. local bookshops and every bookshop. But uh, let's support all the local ones because that's right. so important. All right, yeah. well done. Mary, thank you for your time. I know how busy you are. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Good morning. Not at all, friend. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, Bye-bye. Dr. Mary Ryan there, the wonderful Dr. Mary Ryan, who's an author and an endocrinologist and a singer, and it goes on and on. And uh, Nina based, of course, as well. 1800-938-007. I finally found that message for you. Listener says, oh, my God, Fran, Thurless traffic this morning is just uh, crazy. I had to abandon the car at uh, quarter to nine to walk into the Ursuline Primary School to get my child in on time. I left home at 25 past eight. What is happening, Fran? Why is it so bad? Well, we'll ask Emma to make a call or two and we'll see was there something in particular about uh, this morning uh, that made it so bad there. We'll take a break. Back in just a moment. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. TIP FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county. Slattery'sGarage.ie Time now to talk farming and uh, glad to be joined by Deputy News Editor for the Farmers Journal, Katrina Morrissey. Katrina, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And good to talk to you today, Katrina. I presume all eyes from an agri point of view will be on the budget next Tuesday? They will, yeah. An awful lot of farmers will be watching to see what schemes might be renewed or new schemes put in place. Um, it is obviously, uh, you know, it's, it'll be the talk of the country next week um, because cost of living affects farmers no more so than anybody else. Um, but there are specific farm schemes then that they'll be looking out for. For example, in this area, you know, we'll be wondering how many farmers are going to get into the new acres scheme. Um, the liming program was a very popular measure last week, which was exchec- last year, apologies, which was exchequer funded. And then things like the tillage incentive scheme and the strong corporation measure, very important to tillage farmers in South Tipperary. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Do you, do you think, will there be disappointment? Are we hearing that there may be disappointment for farmers in terms of uh, funding? Um, well, I suppose the, the nature of this budget is that everybody's looking for something. And I suppose particularly with the corporation tax, the, you know, the, um, the boon in corporation tax for much of this year has led to an expectation that there will be something for everyone um, compared to some other years, you know, where, where it might be known that the purse strings will be tight. Um, but the farm organisations have made various calls, um, as they do in the run-up to the budget. So they're looking for increased grants for slurry storage. I mentioned the ACRES programme, which is the Agri-Environmental Scheme. Um, payment for suckler cows, uh, because the suckler cow um, is a very important economic driver in many parts of the country. The sheep improvement scheme is another area that they're looking for an increase in the payment. Um, and then the the obvious one then, Fran, every year there's a little bit of worry, usually assuaged 
But there is a worry every year that the grants for agricultural uh, tax relief, you know, that where, for example, the tax relief that applies when you're passing on a farm to a son or daughter, they're very important for the overall farming, uh, I suppose, industry that that tax relief is kept in place. We're not getting many um, vibrations of there being major changes there, but in previous years, you know, we had stamp duty went from 2% to 6%, which was the trebling of that rate. Um, so, yes, yeah, that's always a, a fear in the back of, I suppose, farmers' minds that those agricultural tax reliefs might be hit, but we're not getting any huge warning signals on that front this year. Yeah, with the elections uh, looming, I suppose, as well, I mean, the budget could be seen as some sort of a election campaign uh, issue, yeah. but they, they, there's a lot to appease farmers, isn't there, with what we've been witnessing over the last few months, particularly, Katrina? Yeah, they're, they're an unhappy cohort at yeah. the minute. Um, and, you know, we've seen that, I suppose, that, you know, this uh, groundswell of movement for maybe a, a specific farmers' party or rural party. There's absolutely no doubt that all of the main political parties will have heard that, will be anxious to dampen down any idea that there would be a rival party to themselves for farmers' votes. Um, we had yesterday Sinn Féin came out and uh, published its alternative budget. Yeah. I was having a look at that last night. And they are, you know, it was looking at the, the key areas that all the, the political parties that are in power will also be thinking of. So I mentioned the suckler cow, mm. uh, sheep payment. They're saying that they would, if they were in power, they would give 300 euro per suckler cow and 20 euro per yo. They are saying that they would put aside um, 15 million for areas of natural constraint. That's a particular land type. And they would put aside 5 million for organic farming. We do expect that the government will put more money into organic farming this year. We've discussed it before on the show. Organic farming does help in a couple of ways towards the government's climate targets because, number one, it tends to reduce the stock numbers on a farm and it also reduces the level of intensity. It cuts out some of those inputs, which also are linked to the Climate Action Plan, for example, fertiliser. So it has an all-around effect of going towards the climate plan. And we've seen 2,000 farmers sign up to go organic this year alone. We're expecting that. And that is, in the main, driven by the very large organic payment incentives that have been put in place over the last two years. So we would expect to see further money put into the organic farming scheme in an effort to encourage farmers who may be already fairly low-input farms. Mm. So, for example, in the west of Ireland you know, maybe hill sheep and suckler farmers who are not, not hugely intensive either in stock stock numbers or inputs, that they would say, well, God, sure, if I cut back another small bit, I'd be nearly organic. Yes. Um, yeah. And they would then be able to take uh, advantage of those big uh, organic incentive payments there. An interesting one there that Sinn Féin also published in, its, or in our alternative budget yesterday was 50 million for a nature restoration fund. Now, that was in its plan for the Department of the Environment. Um, I'm not sure whether that would be going towards agricultural land or whether they're talking about nature restoration in a more urban context. Again, similarly to what we would expect the government to do next week, uh, Sinn Féin had 10 million penciled in for low emissions slurry spreading. Now, there's nobody going to be spreading slurry out there today, Farn. It's absolutely lashing in here in Gothenburg. Um, But slurry is is a a topic of the day. You know, we had the, the derogation map changed this week um, where, you know, the farmers are going to be restricted in their stocking rate. Um, so going back to your original point about 
farmers and their unhappiness. Mm. Yes, there are a number of ways that ways that farmers and reasons why farmers are unhappy at the moment. And the budget will go some way, you'd imagine, um, to addressing some of those concerns. Yeah, interesting. Uh, something we've discussed on the show quite a bit, particularly in our legal slots, is the idea of a prenup. And interesting yeah. in the journal uh, today, Katrina, that professional farmers more likely to have prenups. What, what exactly is a professional farmer as opposed to a farmer? A professional farmer is, is not casting aspersions on any farmers, <laughs> but it is a farmer who has worked off the farm. So, yes. for example, someone who would have gone away and either done a you know a professional qualification or gone to third level mm. and gone into something, and the example is quoted by Claire O'Keefe from Succession Ireland, who I spoke to for this piece, you know, they might have gone off to be a vet, an accountant, consultant, engineer, but they are now coming back to the farm. So it's not that there are two grades of farmers out there, yes, amateurs yes. and professionals, but the idea that someone has gone away into a different career, has not worked on the farm and is now coming back. And the difference between those and the farmers who have, you know, someone who has worked on the farm from the get-go, is she says those professionals are more open to the prenuptial agreement, which is, mm. you know, as your, your listeners will know, it's an agreement on how the various assets that each person has going into a marriage should be divided mm. if that marriage was subsequently to break down. Um, but she says that the professionals, I suppose, have been, they just tend to be, in her experience, more open about talking about the assets and they are more likely to have signed a prenup um, agreement. And she says that is, she doesn't think that there is, you know, any real downside to a prenuptial agreement because what it has done is it has kind of pushed each party in the relationship into looking at what they have, being very open. They probably have the asset valued, whether that's land or whether it's income from a property or it's property value itself. They've actually already had the conversation about how much it's worth and what would they do in the event of the relationship breaking down. And Claire O'Keefe, whose business, she is a mediator. Um, her, her company name is Succession Ireland. She meets people at the end of the relationship all the time. So whether that's a, you know, a marriage yeah. or a civil partnership or even a business uh, partnership um, being dissolved, that's her job. And that was her experience. She said that the ones who've worked in, in other professions tend to have heard more, seen more and be more open to doing a prenup than uh, people who've worked on the farm from uh, yeah, day one. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that it's not more widespread among farmers in some way, Katrina, because, you know, that notion of protecting the family farm for future generations and all of that, you know? Yeah, that's right. And they are fiercely protective yeah. of, you know, the, the land and the inheritance. It's a very, um, it's a very, very strong emotional connection mm. to land in this country. Uh, we did a survey a couple of weeks ago in the Farmers' Journal and we asked uh, nearly 2,000 farmers would they encourage uh, a fellow farmer getting married to sign a prenup and four out of ten said they would. Um, I suppose what is holding us back, Fran, is that prenups actually do not have legal standing at the moment in yes. Ireland. Yeah. So you can sign one, but there is no guarantee that that will be taken into account by the court. Uh, there is a chance that it will be taken into account by the court, but it is not it is not necessary for a judge to take it into account. So some people might say, look, it's not worth the paper it's written on. Um, while others might say, actually, it might be worth the paper it's written on, and it, at the very least, we will have a conversation about what assets we're each bringing to it and what we would see in the event of something going really awry, what way we would divide the assets up. 
It's interesting. Before I let you go, can I just drag you in on the conversation that we had earlier on in uh, the programme, uh, Katrina, because it seems unlikely that Ireland is going to follow Germany and some other EU countries in banning the use of the weed killer glyphosate. Um, and uh, there's, you know, sort of all sorts of strong feelings on, on both sides. of the. What is the general thinking among farmers where that is concerned, Katrina? I would say the general thinking among farmers is that it is the most tested, most uh, analysed um, chemical in use in farming and that it has been proven to be safe. Obviously, you know, these, these all, all pesticides have to go through rigorous testing, has to go through a number of hoops um, in Europe and it has to be reauthorised and that's coming up for debate, as you say. Mm. Um Farmers would not be able to do certain types of farming without glyphosate. And farmers would also say that there is, you know, almost unrestricted use of glyphosate by other people in this country. So farmers have to be registered pesticide users. They have to go through professional training. They get all of the correct equipment to apply pesticides, including glyphosate. But yet I could go into any garden centre in Clamel and pick up as much of it as I like and go out and spread it, you know, spray it wherever I like. So um, I think if there was to be any move towards restrictions on glyphosate, number one, it would change hugely what farmers can do with their uh, the management of their farms because in some cases, you know, you might have to spray off um, weeds before you can reseed. Um, it's, it's a hugely uh, important tool for farmers to use. Mm. And, uh, and there are rightly concerns, and there should always be concerns about pesticides and chemicals that we are using, whether it is on the farm, whether it is in our kitchen. Everything should of, be tested. Of course. It's interesting, though, that the Green, the Green Party appear to side with the, 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 the German uh, notion on how this should be dealt with. So you'd imagine in government that's going to cause a little bit of um, controversy. It could be a matter for debate, I'm sure, oh, absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Katrina, it's always a pleasure, and thanks so much for your time this morning. Thank you. Good morning thanks, to you. Ben. That's uh, Katrina Morrissey there. Katrina, of course, is Deputy News Editor for the Farmer's Journal, and the journal is on your shelves as we speak. News and information's coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to the final hour of Tip Today. 1800 938 007. That's a free phone number. You can text and WhatsApp 083 you can email tip today at tipfm.com. Now, we're with you, of course, every single uh, weekday morning from nine. And we spoke to Martin this morning about calls from the Green Party to get uh, the Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnellogue, to vote against a proposal to renew the authorisation of glyphosate uh, next week. And basically, that's, that's the product roundup uh, that we would be uh, well aware of in uh, this country. Now, I was speaking to Katrina Morrissey of the Farmer's Journal there about it as well. But uh, here's what uh, Martin had to say to me uh, this morning. What about the government now at the moment are pushing the environment, environment, yeah. environment. Yeah. And yet you have a product that lost its law case that it's not heard in the Supreme Court won't hear because as far as they're concerned the site is done. And though what's funny thing about we don't really hear about that. I find that strange that such we don't hear about it on the mainstream media talking about this issue because it does affect lives. It does impact on the environment mm. and, and everybody. And we don't hear about it. But that is the other issue about it, like the environment. What about the environment going into the water, into the soil? Into, into, and look at the bees. Look, there's another case, another case there brought in. If anyone has time, they would look up bear, bear uh, in, and the bees. Mm. And look, look what happened there. Like the, 
uh, from, from my understanding, it was the German local government that paid off the beekeepers. That's my understanding of it. And also they kind of scuppered the science and, and actually the scientists went along down their own study. And they, and first, they conclusively concluded that uh, I think it was nicanoids, the, the dressing on the seeds, it actually went straight through the whole plant, all the way through the plant, and affected all the plants. But look, I think Thank people do, their own, if you do your own research... Sure, and, and, and Martin, I'm, I'm not familiar at all with the product, but do you know that if you buy a container with this product, whether it's Roundup or, or whatever in it, has it warnings on, on the on, on the yeah, can yeah. Or, or the bottle or whatever it comes in? I have to be, I have to be honest with you, but I, bought a, I bought a gallon of it there about oh, a number of years ago, mm. and I used it a couple of times before I knew anything. Yes. And I haven't read it since. It's, it's there, but it's like it's come to I don't know what to do with it. How, how do you dispose of it? I don't know what to do with it. And that's Martin who spoke to us about his concerns uh, where glyphosate is uh, concerned earlier on uh, this morning. And then we heard from Katrina Morrissey of the Farmers Journal, of course, about it as well. It's important to say that the European Food Safety Authority, they've uh, put it out there that, you know, this product can be used safely without putting consumers or users at risk. But there is that concern that emerged when the World Health Organization back in 2015 said that it probably causes cancer. So make what you will of that. 1800-938-007. And it's great to be joined as usual now on a Thursday by the CEO of Marito 8020, the clinic in Clonmel. Muriel Cuddy is with me. Good morning to you, morning, uh, Muriel. Friend. How are you? Do, you? do you have concerns? I should have told you I was going to say this to you, but yeah. do you have concerns about stuff we're spraying on... on oh, totally. On and I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole now because if I do, it'll be for the next 20 minutes. But yeah. yeah. You, you would feel strong. Totally. The environmental you? toxins that are going into our food stuffs, like this things causing like the illnesses that are within the body that I'm seeing every day and you know sometimes you can't pinpoint it but other times you can but yeah it's it's like a huge huge area yeah mm. and it needs it's, to be yeah. it's something we might talk about in more yeah. more more detail at some other point but today you're going to talk to you've had some very interesting consultation by the way happy birthday because you're Thank a year you. a year up and running we are a full year today yes yeah. so we opened the doors on the 5th of October last year so yeah, yeah. Um, roll, rain, roll rain or not rain or not today you know what we would post up earlier on of all the pictures throughout the year. Yes. What a roller coaster, Fran. Yeah. If I was to talk about nothing today, I could actually, even just looking at the pictures, the highs, the lows, like there was some real highs, there was some real lows, like the laughter, the tears, mm. there was just the learnings, there was just so much in that first yeah. year. Were you ready for the stories, Muriel, if you um, know what I mean? Were you ready for the life experiences that would present themselves to you? As you've said it to me, I have goose pimples literally have just come flooded down through yeah. my body. Some of it, no. Some of it, I've, I've been doing this for 25 mm. years, so I suppose that's one side of it, but not like the different things that have happened say like in the aesthetic world the different experiences that we've had like the different things we've spoken mm. about like as in like and, and we've seen throughout the year like we've spoken about things like uh, vaginal rejuvenation mm. we've spoken about erectile dysfunction we've spoken about hair loss uh, we've spoken about so many different things that aren't normally even spoken mm. about and I've got the chance when I see it in clinic normal experiences from people's everyday world to actually come and talk about it and yes. say listen this is happening or this is happening and this is what you can and do about it. And that adds a whole other dynamic to reading something well, in a book. I just it? think it's yeah. fantastic because I think a lot of the people that come in have listened to Tip FM at some stage and have listened to us at some stage talking mm. about something. So something they didn't feel they could talk about or an issue that they've had for like, one person comes to mind and like he's, he had the same issue for about 12 years and like in the space of 10 weeks we were able to work through it and he came out the other side. So like there was just so many different things like 
people stop me on the street and say it to me. Mm. But one of the things that really, I suppose, amazes me of all the work we've done, Fran, and getting it to perfection and getting the five star finish and all mm. of that, people still don't know we're there. So people will still walk down Parnell Street and they'll stop. One lady said it to us last week. She was coming into me and she was 15 minutes late. She said, I stopped five people coming down the street to ask where Marita was and right. nobody could point me in the right direction. <laughs> so there's little things like that that, yeah, yes, yeah. Would, would, would whatever. But the amount of people we've helped, we've like, I think nearly 700 lines. Um, and one of the big things for me with the 700 clients is that they come back until they're better or they come back until they don't need us anymore. You know, and then even at that, I had two girls last week that said, Muriel, I have to stay, come up, just put yes. me in, have you an appointment? Can I can I come back in three weeks or can I come back in a month? I just need mm. your piece, well, the accountability that's, piece. That's a great endorsement of, of what you're doing. One yeah. of the more difficult aspects I would imagine, Muriel, of what you do is when you find through consultation that people have been damaged where aesthetics are concerned and that you have to try and reverse stuff. And you know, that's on both. It's on the aesthetic and on the health side, right? And that, I suppose, is one of the biggest things for us because before we ever opened our doors, for us to get the expert care was the number one, that we actually had doctors that we knew that we could rely on so that they had the background, they had the degrees, but they also had the expertise and they also had the client care piece because the client care piece was always my piece, as in I would sit with somebody for hours until somebody'd knock on a door to make sure I got they got the best of me, if that makes sense. So we wanted somebody like that. In the last week, we have at least four people that haven't had any of that experience in other places and have come back to us with issues of things that have gone wrong. So like there's different people in my head and they stay in my head when they're very upset. So there was one person in particular, um, hair loss, went to a different clinic, spent a lot of money, um, like over €2,000. Was this a woman? Yeah, yeah. Um, And you know, with women, well, anyone, like Mm. hair loss is a Mm. major issue for anyone, but like front of hairline, Mm. um, she was told the treatment would restore her hair. The treatment hadn't opened hell of restoring hair. The treatment like will keep the hair follicle that's there, but if a hair follicle is gone, you can't bring a hair follicle back. So she stayed paying money for something that was never going to happen. She came into us, so for her consultation or whatever, she was told the truth. She was told, listen, there are no treatments. This we can't do, whatever. Um, I was very, very upset. Upset because there wasn't an answer and she was told the truth, but upset because of what had happened behind the scenes for the previous three months or four months or whatever. The hope that she had, the money that she had spent. And that was just like for somebody to get a quick buck, which is awful. There was somebody else that's been getting Botox for the last few years. She didn't, that's what wasn't the treatment she needed. That, that, that relaxes a muscle and she actually needed filler. You know, like very, very upset again with her treatment. And what do you put uh, that down to? Is it incompetence? Is it uh, lack there's, of there's, training? There's, there's a couple of things, and I suppose this is one of the things. You know, what I said about the degree piece, and if you were looking for something in a good, in a good doctor, in a good clinic, and that's again on both the health and aesthetic piece. You're looking for experience. You're looking for skill. You're looking for knowledge. You're looking for the qualifications. Like you're looking for up to date that, that they keep themselves upskilled in that. But the other thing you're, we talked a lot about. Actually, I had a girl this morning, um, and I was talking to her about this. It's so easy to get a degree online. It's so easy to get a diploma of some sort now. It's so easy, like you can do a weekend course on at the aesthetic side on filler or something like that and you're qualified to inject somebody. So like how does that correlate? Like um, what's the professor that's over the Plastic Surg- Surgeons of Ireland? Professor Joseph something or other, I can't remember his mm. name now but he had a piece, he wrote a piece um, in, in an article about two months ago and he said he can't understand the plas- that piece they're getting so many piece, people back in to do the reconstructive side now and he can't understand like how um, filler isn't regulated whereas even for something as simple as a steroid cream you have to go and get a prescription. For something as simple as an inhaler, you have to go and get a prescription. But you can actually get something injected into your face or your body by somebody that has done a weekend course 
and it's not regulated in Ireland. But that's frightening. It's frightening and I don't understand because you've listened there to him talking about like the different things of like we go so far with so many things mm. that we go into the other realm of trying to do something right that we nearly ruin it and then on things like this we don't even look at it or we don't even like, you know, talk mm. about it to the, to a certain extent. And let's stay with filler for a moment. If that's incorrectly um, injected into you, I mean, is there long-term like one consequences? Of one of the biggest ones is blindness. Like, it can actually cause blindness. So, like, you go to somebody and, like, we spoke with this this morning as well, like, say, um, not talking about a particular industry, but say, like, a beautician. Years ago, to qualify as a beautician, you had to go to, say, the Brown Conran School of Beauty or whatever. You had to do your two or three years. You had to do everything to, you know, to perfection. And she checked you and stood over you and made sure, like, your waxing, your eyebrows and everything was done to the next level. That's the, the same standards aren't there anymore. So you can do, like, you can become, you know, a beautician, like, so much easier, like, with your online courses or whatever. But even as a beautician or just as a person that's in that industry, you can um, inject filler after your weekend course. Like, how does that measure up with a doctor or a surgeon that has done six years of medical school, has gone on and done maybe another two or three years um, in a, a specialist area, and then is working in the world of aesthetic medicine. Aesthetic medicine mm. is medicine. That's what it is. It's nothing else. It's medicine. So if you're wondering about going to a clinic or where you should go for aesthetic work, you have to research it. You have to maybe do two, three consultations with different clinics in different places because there's no quick fix and it's your face or it's your body mm. and it's out there for, for, for everybody to see it. And if it goes wrong, it's devastating. We were also talking to um, Dr. Pat Harold during the week and he has grave concerns about people going uh, abroad for treatments like mm. like you know, stomach surgery and yeah. and aesthetics and all of these. Is that something that you share? Um, on my health side, um, in the last year, I probably have, I'd say, about 12 or 13 people that have come back to me that have had surgery done in relation to weight loss. Yes. And it hasn't worked. And there has been, I won't say dire consequences, mentally there's been dire con- consequences as they've been through so much. Is so, that liposuction now? Yeah, or, or, or gastric band, gastric or and yeah, sleeve and, sleeve all, and all that. And then maybe like um, skin re- removal and like infections and different things like that. And then like the follow-up isn't here because the doctors here don't know what has been done in Turkey. And that you're not getting notes, you're not getting like your full list of exactly what you went through and, you know, what they used and all of yes. that kind of thing. So I've had about 12 or 13. When somebody wants to lose weight, they want to lose weight. So they literally do anything. If they've gone that far and it hasn't worked, the devastation is awful. So they've come in, so be it for Saxenda or be it to do it on the other side and see the very normal, educated side. Um, they'll do anything they can, Fran, just to, to make themselves look and feel a little bit better. I had one, one woman, um, she actually rang. She had purchased slimming tablets online. Uh, so she'd done a Zoom with a so-called nutritionist um, and she started taking these. She had an adverse reaction. She felt really unwell, etc. The only number that came to mind was our number. So she rang uh, and we spoke to her and told her to stop taking them immediately. Now, she's come in and she's doing the piece as she needs to do it. But you can't do things like this because you have no idea. So people are setting themselves up to make money on any level. But you've got to be so careful. Mm. We're just giving... Now, I suppose what they are saying to you is, yeah, that's all fine and very well, but look at the cost difference if we go abroad. What what is your answer to that? Yeah, but the cost difference is no good if it doesn't work. Like that's, you know, it's your body. Like people have died. We've like, you can research any of it. You can see like the, the what's actually after happening. So for me, you save up until you can do it. If you want to do something like a gastric band or your liposuction or whatever, don't do it until you can afford it and make sure you research that piece to within an inch of its life. You should at least go to three clinics 
um, to three doctors to make sure that each one, and, and it's not even, each doctor might have the same qualifications, might do the same work, but you might actually fit with one of the doctors better than the other. You know, that client-patient-doctor um, yeah. relationship. He might answer your questions better. He might actually say to you, well, listen, I've done 10 of these or I've done 100 of these, I've done whatever. And you might just feel more more peace of mind and it could be worth spending an extra 1,500 euro. I don't think for me, price shouldn't really come into it when it comes to the whole aesthetic piece. Like we look at things like, and you have to, as a as a patient, look at things like product price, you know, um, your experience, uh, your aftercare. That's one of the other big things because the aftercare for us. So I would ring the next day. Every client that comes through the door, I ring the next day to see how their client experiences and how they are. So after every treatment, you're either bruisy or you're swelly. Now, some people don't get any reaction. Mm. I bruise, you know, other people mm. swell. So I'll ask them all the different questions. But just at a point in time, our aftercare line is 24-7. So if there are any issues at any stage, you should be able to contact somebody that you can actually talk to them. Um, a girl rang on Sunday evening. Uh, she thought that she had had an adverse reaction to treatment. Um, so she just felt her face was numb or whatever. Mm. She got me at half past six. She rang me. And I answered at half past six on Sunday evening, right? Um, got the doctor to ring her. They spoke. She actually had a viral infection. Um, she rang yesterday and she was, you know... So that was well, not related to the treatment. Nothing treat- related to the treatment whatsoever. Yes. But she was worried. Yes, but so you can understand. as a Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just that little bit of worry. And she knew, she knew herself and she said, I knew myself, but mm. I was just a little bit whatever. You know, um, and she said by being able to ring and being able to have the conversation and have the conversation with the doctor, her worries were alleviated straight away. She rang yesterday or Wednesday or whatever, and she said, "Listen, I'm perfect. I'm flying. I'm whatever. I'm really apologetic because I yeah, feel a little, yeah. but I'm still grateful that I was able to call." Now we'd get that on and off like that. I'd ring somebody and they'd say, well, "Listen, I have a question. Or I have whatever. This is in my head, and I'm a little bit bothered." That aftercare piece should be there most especially in the aesthetic and plastic surgery world, if you can contact somebody out of hours when you're really worried about something because you've had surgery or you've had a treatment, um, that's not good enough. You should be able to. It's interesting. What else are you coming across by way of people presenting themselves with, with issues that, you know, have come from treatments? Treatment, yeah. yeah. Body dysmorphia is another one. Tell me about that. So now. body dysmorphia, you're, you're, you see, um, uh, what would you say? A different mm. view of yourself yes. in the mirror and you're never happy and that's a big deal in the aesthetic world at the minute because the lips your lips are never big enough you know your face wow. is never tight enough the wrinkles have to be gone completely you'll see it in the celeb world like there's mm. not there's nothing left of you know of, of the face to move yes. at any whatever uh, boobs are not big enough you're never skinny enough that kind of thing that's really hard and you know that's mm. one of the things I suppose client selection is a big deal and regardless of the money side and regardless of you have to make one and one make two, if somebody presents with something like that, you can't work with them because right. that's a psychology. And can you spot that pretty much straight away, that it's, it's, Abs- totally. it's an addiction to the Totally, totally. And the, and the doctor will spot it immediately. Right. The psychology piece, he And you've spot. come across that? We've you? come across that, yeah, yeah a couple of times. Um, I come across it even on my side. My client selection, even on my side, say in the health, um, only I, probably I'd say about three people. But I will say to somebody after 10 minutes, if I think they're not... Uh, buying into what I'm talking about or if I think it's more of the quick fix side that they're mm. on the tablet or they're on whatever I will say to them listen I don't think it's the right time for you to be here with me you know I think my time is valuable your money uh, yes. is, is hard earned so like maybe we just leave it until the time is right and uh, do you know the extreme cases that we'd all see around I mean you know I've seen particularly where lips are concerned I'm going what was the woman thinking and you know the person who did it what were they thinking it's, it's more how, how does that happen now. But it's more the person that's injecting 
Fran, it's not because like I said, the body dysmorphia side, because especially younger and now older and especially in Ireland, like that's, you know, overseas or whatever. But most in Ireland, it's a refresh. People don't want to look like way overdone mm, and stupid yeah. and the duck lips, as they yeah. call them or whatever it is. Dreadful. Yeah, but yeah. younger, they don't see it. They're following these pop stars online. The social media side is driving it and they have a particular image in their head that they want to aspire mm. to. It's the injector. You mm. cannot like if you overinflate lips like in, in whatever, five or six years time, it's like overinflating a tyre. It'll go down to a certain extent. Do you know what I mean? But it won't come back to normal. And even like when it goes down, you're still left with loose skin. Yeah, so if so. you decide like in 10 years time or five years time, you don't want the same look to actually get yourself back to where you were is nearly impossible. But it's the injector. That's the, like, you'll get clients right. all the time that want to do so the, the other So the consultation side. and the chat, that that's vital, obviously. That's the, the consultation is just like, the consultation and then the aftercare. They've, for me, they're the two because everything happens in the consultation in relation to the treatment that's going to happen. Once you have an expert delivering the treatment, mm. you're happy that that piece is going to go okay. And after a year and you celebrating your first birthday and stuff, what, I mean, have you changed your answer to people who said to you, look, these are all vanity projects for God's sake, Muriel, it's people who are indulging themselves and, you know, all of the, have, have you thought about that? Uh, you know, again, I've goose pimples because yeah. of every single person that has come into us, there has been such a small minority of it being vanity. Hmm. So it's been literally, this has affected me for so long, you know, I, I can't believe that I can actually do something to change it. We've got so many like feel good factors, like from the fact that you're in Clonmel, it's totally private. I can come in, I can get this done without anybody seeing. But it hasn't been the vanity side, Fran. Mm. It has literally been, you know, I've needed to get this done for X amount of time and now I can actually get something done and, you know, nobody needs to know. And you don't notice. Like mm. we've done like, you know, the non-surgical rhinoplasty that you've changed somebody's nose. Like we've done different things chins, receding chins. We've done different things like the PRP for it to keep the actual hair follicle. Um, like I said, the erectile dysfunction I've worked mm. on on my side. Um, we've done like so many things under the radar that we will never go into the full history of. Yes. But we've people have sat across the table and they've put their hands up like I have mine now and they've like, I can't believe the difference in my life. Uh, so for me, you're actually changing lives and that's, you know, that's massive. Yeah. And Fran, our plans for year two are amazing. Can you... No, I can't. But <laughs> our plans for a year yes, two are okay. amazing. So this time next year, please God, we'll be like so many steps again um, yeah. ahead of where we are. We'll still have the tears and yes. yeah, the traumas. And you look at me some Thursdays here and say to me, "Are you okay?" <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, that's that's and, all ahead. And where the nutrition aspect of what you do, then I mean, has that changed over the time as well? Is there more of an awareness since we've begun talking about this? And, um, uh, I think what we do here is brilliant. Because it definitely, a lot of people listen and definitely the education piece Mm. is coming more and more to the fore and people are realising everything stems from the gut and we've spoken about that so many times. So people are starting to realise there is no quick fix. Like I deal with metabolic syndrome, which means there is nothing working. You're not going to lose weight, even if you eat nothing until we repair the gut. I've dealt with people like that come in and say, I was told not to drink water, not to eat anything before I get weighed in. I was told like to cycle 15 miles a day and whatever before I get weighed in. And and, and I've done 10 different diets and nothing ever worked. And they've actually realised, listen, can I go backwards? Can I start again? Can I actually lose weight in a really healthy way? And that's one of the biggest pieces. I think people come back and say to me, that doesn't feel like I'm doing any kind of a diet or that doesn't feel like you've you've made me, you know, mm. run the roads or you've whatever. You've just made small changes and I can't understand why I feel better or why I'm losing mm. weight, but I am. 
So I don't know has anything changed except when people listen, I've said it from the very beginning, education and support on every single level. If you can do those two things, you'll change somebody's world. So on the other side, if people will listen to the education and look for the support, you can actually change their world. It's interesting. And listener picking us up on our previous discussion and she was talking about it in terms of uh, Dr Pat Harold the other day as well speaking about procedures done uh, abroad uh, this listener says people don't want to go away and get these things done maybe if the prices here were more acceptable um, people would have it done here um, mm. is, is that fair comment Muriel? Well you did hear about the, con- the um, consultants and the amount they were paid it's the same in well, the Pat had during news there, yeah, yeah, yeah. and million, it, it's yeah. the same in the, the 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 world of like law. We heard it the other day mm. about the barristers going on strike. Everything in this country is like yeah, mm. grossly inflated. So, I think yes, price is a big deal, but I think for whatever amount it is, wait another year. I know the prices are. Um, twice or three times what they are in Turkey but it's not worth getting it done when it's your body I think yeah right. I know it's, we're more expensive but your, your own safety yeah I think so yeah and I do agree our prices like are a lot dearer or whatever but yeah you have to choose one over the other and yeah I know the way I choose yeah it's it's incredible and you're still getting people in with yeah. unfortunate yeah. stories about all of this yeah. alright if people want to talk to you how are you celebrating your, your first birthday by the way we, well do you know what we don't know really you don't um, know okay. do you know uh, we do do you know what we do you you know this Fran we actually go to the garden centre we go to Tom <laughs> Garden Centre every time we have something to celebrate right. and we go up and we have cake Yes. Literally, that's probably really not. boring. You do not. You don't have we cake. Do, we, do, we go and we have cake, yeah. Sometimes I have, like, <laughs> salad, but yeah. we go up there and we it's, it's our happy place. Right. So if the girls are listening up there, it's lovely uh, place, hello. Actually, yeah. and the food is yeah. so lovely and, like, yeah, you're just kind of left alone and everybody's lovely. So we'll definitely go and have cake today. But, um, but please, God, next week we'll have a competition that we'll actually give away um, something okay. that the listeners can listen in and very we'll good. give something back if we can. All right, that's very yeah. nice and we look forward to that. If, if people want to talk to you, Muriel, or yeah. the team. So it's uh, 052 61 or com. Okay, just give me that phone, phone number one more time. Um, yeah, so 052 one. Okay, yeah. great to see you, Muriel, Thanks, and man. happy birthday again. Thanks Thank very you. much indeed. We'll take a break back in just a moment. It's 11.28 right now. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today. Now, we promised you some great live music today and we certainly have that for you because uh, Miscellany of Folk uh, collaboration, three very fine musicians indeed. They've been performing all over the world uh, separately and together indeed for some time. They have just released uh, an album called Atlantic Sounds and Miscellany of Folk features multi-instrumentalist Billy Sutton from Newfoundland, uh, accordion player Benny McCarthy from County Waterford and Tipperary singer-guitarist Eddie Costo as well. And I'm delighted to say that they're here with me in the studio. Good morning to you all and thanks very much indeed for coming in to us. Um, Benny, since we last uh, chatted, um, you've been working very hard. The album, I suppose, was the big thing, was it? Yeah, yeah, well, we've... um yeah, this time it was this time last year. I'd say, friend, we, we were, we were. Oh. Yeah, it was October. We kind of came over um, uh, to do a few little gigs around Ireland. Uh, but uh, yeah, we went after that trip. We, we had a great time, and we went back. And I think during that, Billy was back for a few weeks. During that time, we were kind of thinking about music and mm. talking about lovely songs and tracks, and so we kind of figured out almost an album, you yeah. know. And so we gave the last kind of twelve months then, kind of working on that between myself and Eddie recording stuff bouncing across mm. to Billy 
Billy doing a little bit of wizardry as he normally does with his sure. production work and yeah. and uh, so so we had a great time. We could take our time making the tracks nice and yeah, we're very happy with which, the record. Which is you know? great. And of course, since then you performed in Newfoundland as well, That's Billy. Great. What what was that like to take the boys back and uh, do your own thing there? Ah, it was lovely actually. We were over last year, uh, last summer I'd say we did some uh, did a little run around. Yeah. East part of Newfoundland, yeah. And now this year, uh, the boys were over for the uh, Fail of Seamus Cray. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was the thirteenth or the fifteenth or something in September. It just passed. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a great weekend all together. Good yeah, thing. yeah. And, and I know it's a mixture of sort of Irish music, but then again, there's Newfoundland music as well. So I mean, how yeah, how yeah. does that mix work over there? Oh, great. Well, there's a lot of similarities, as you as we cousins, spoke sure. about before, yeah. you know. Yeah. First cousins. Sure. First cousins. <laughs> Once removed. Once yeah, removed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a good lineup from, from both sides, actually. It was a great old festival, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Eddie, what did, what did you make of it in New Finland? What? Fell in love with it in instantly. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's beautiful. It's not a realm completely. Yeah. One of the, my favourite place that I've ever been to, for sure. Yeah, it's it's their Irishness, even though I mean it's going back generations. It's I mean, it's like, like been living the seventies, eighties again. Not that I remember the seventies much. <laughs> yeah, for that. sure. <laughs> thanks for thanks for that, Eddie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am. I remember them well, but no, wonderful place, and yeah. the people are very. They're just so. It's just such a lovely, relaxed. Everybody's friendly, and the music then is just super. It's I mean, so important to everybody. You, yeah. Yeah. You, you sit into a session over there, and you could you could be anywhere, and any anywhere in Ireland with a yeah. decent session compares to it, you know, yeah. and exceeds some of it. Isn't that great? In terms of the choices for the album, um, some of the songs are fantastic. Was there a lot of sort of foraging to get there, Eddie? In terms of the choice of the songs on the album, well. The songs kind of came between the three of us. As you know, Billy played with Ron Hines for a while, and yeah. that's one of the Ron's songs is on there, which is great. But there's one song there that was kind of sitting in the back of my mind for 30 years, which was the Martin Travis song, Deck Hand on the Trawler. And I've known Martin for years, and yeah. the opportunity came up, and I suggested it to Benny, and then Benny, Billy came on board and said it was a lovely song. We'd, we we kind of came up with the arrangement. As for the song, it's just it's what we like. Yes. We're not going to be singing Funny enough, I thought of, that was a, a really old song. They can do the trawler, no, yeah. that's that's I think Martin wrote it about thirty four wrote it about thirty five right. years ago. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and I heard it in Morrissey's pub in Cairn one Did Sunday morning. Know? Hung over. <laughs> and it stuck. So you know, it's kind of a lovely song. Very and Martin good. is a fisherman from, from Dunmore East, you yes. know. So as you, you probably know Martin. Yeah, sure. It's, it's 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 fantastic. We're gonna hear that I think, Benny. Are we okay, we're gonna have a listen to it. By the way, the album is available to people, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's out there digitally, Fran. Um uh, on all the platforms really now so anyone can go on and find it and you know there's links to that from our Very website good. or Facebook if you look up Miscellany of Folk you'll find it there it's, you know it's, it's all there we'll I have mean, CDs I think next week so, or you know hopefully for the few gigs that are coming up so. excellent and we'll talk about the gigs in just a moment in the meantime let's have a listen uh, to this it's uh, Deckhand on a Trawler from the brand new album let her go, boys, and head away to sea. Leave the lights of Dunmore East upon her quarter. Let, Let her go, boys, and head away to sea. Leave the lights of Dunmore East upon her quarter. Place to be dreaming. You let her ropes 
go for an after-engine ticket nowhere And soon you're steaming for mine head A deck and not a trawler You feel the wind is getting up The forecast said she'd blow She's steaming to the west She starts to pitch and roll And through the darkness of the dawn Still plowing through water Cause you're away to earn your pay A deck and an optimaler Let her go, boys, and head away to sea Leave the lights of Dunmore East upon her water Let her go, boys, and head away to sea Leave the lights of Dunmore East upon her water Now all day long we shoot and haul We cut and wash and stone Try to keep her balance as we put the fish below There's times you're sleeping on your feet You think your arms will fall off And you wonder then why you became A deck and on a trawler Your wages and your working hours Governed by the weather Through winter gales and summer calves You swear you'd last forever You'd never know when you'd be home Set the Maurice upon her quarter Let her go, boys, and head away to sea Leave the lights of the Maurice upon her quarter Hand on a trawler from Miscellany of Folk and their album Atlantic uh, Sounds. And with me in studios, Billy Sutton and uh, Benny McCarthy and uh, Eddie Coslow, as well as terrific uh, track. Really, really terrific. Okay. How, how do you go choosing the, the tunes to match? Songs, Benny. How, how does that work? Uh, well, that was Billy's. Billy did that. Like, so we we had we kind of like I said when we were the process we had for recording was like we we'd put down kind of ground tracks or. Like Eddie put a vocal and a guitar, yeah. and we'd literally, you know, we'd bounce it across the Atlantic yeah. to, to Billy, and uh, so Billy, 
you know, rejuggle things and we can, and then go, yeah, this melody could work probably under the chords of whatever the song is, yes, you know what I mean, or yeah. whatever way. Mm, yeah. You, yeah. Well, you can tell us. Well, that, no, that's pretty much it. <laughs> is that pretty much it's it? Yeah. Rum and, and chop and experiment. And, and, yeah. and you take from the original med- melody and you, you yeah. enhance yeah. that. Or you I try to, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's an yeah. interesting process the way it all evolves. Everybody it? has yeah. different ways yeah. of doing stuff, I suppose, like anything, yeah. you know, but that's just what yeah. kind of makes sense to me, you know. Yeah. Myself well, and Eddie then would be sitting waiting then for the track <laughs> to come back from Newfoundland, <laughs> see, what, from see, see what Billy's after doing to it. <laughs> like bold children at Christmas. It was fierce yeah. crack, yeah. like we had fierce crack, and we waiting for oh, tracks, yeah. you know. Of course it was. Any yeah. sign of any track coming back as if the track was coming back across the Atlantic, <laughs> yeah. and that's why we call it Atlantic. Well, sound. isn't it fantastic yeah. what you can do now with all that technology? It is really amazing, yeah. It's really special indeed. You're going to do a live track for us? Yeah, sure, we will. Will you do? <coughs> do you want to do a few tunes? Whatever you like. We'll try, we'll try a couple of tunes, right? We'll try yeah. a couple of polkas. Very good. Which polkas are, polkas. you know, we love polkas down this side of Ireland. You know what I mean? <laughs> they <laughs> love them over home too. And they love them over Newfoundland so as well. All you know? the set dancers push back the furniture, mind That's the dresser. It, and, over um, that. Yeah. So we found uh, three. Again, <laughs> we're kind of looking for music and songs and tunes that weren't overly recorded. Or yes. Once they're kind of. Um, you know, there's so much stuff there at the moment that lots of really good st- things kind of get mixed yes. missed in the kind of in the mix you know yeah. so we were kind of li- listening for tunes that stood out and, and little tunes we crossed like the first polka now I heard from an old fiddle player John Walsh and I met him down in Newmarket in County Cork one night and he was just sitting beside him and he was playing this polka and I went god it's beautiful I said I made that up myself wow and I said oh that's lovely that'll do me and yeah I said that's yeah. lovely So, but <laughs> yeah. I learned it from him and then and then we were kind of going right that's Cork and uh, then we forget that there's lovely polkas here in County Tipperary. Yeah, yeah. So, and I suppose three of the fam- famous polkas are the polkas from Upper Church area. Yes, yeah. So we, we we took one of the Upper Churches as well, we put it in, and uh, we finished then with um, with a one which is kind of a version of Murish and Durkin, you know the song Murish yeah, and Durkin? Yeah, it's like, but they played as a polka yeah. down in Kerry. Oh. And, um, and actually on the album we have Bobby Gardner, I don't know, Bobby. Eddie might give yeah. us the few. <laughs> Bobby added <laughs> a few uh, uh, words because people used to put words to polkas to kind of remember the tunes right, years ago yeah, before yeah. you had the phones and all that. If you went to a session and heard a lovely polka, you'd, you'd kind of put maybe words to it to try and remember the tune. So you oh. so you take it home and take out the fiddle at home and go, oh, and that's the tune. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but Bobby, Bobby's wife, Anne Gardner, put mm. some words to uh, the tune. And uh, yeah. so we had Bobby on the track as well. Oh, very good. But, uh, we'll try these three portraits anyway. Yeah, yeah. We'd love to. So all the set dancers out there now. All right. Hop Mind around the, the kitchen there. <laughs> Come on.
It really works as a polka, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, sure, lots of, yeah, lots of songs of our melodies are polka. But sure, yeah. you know, I suppose when uh, tunes didn't travel, when it wasn't easy to get tunes, yeah. it's hard for us to imagine that now. But, like, you know, you can imagine, like, living in the middle of the countryside, you know, yeah. 70, 80 years ago. Like, it wasn't easy to get a melody, like, you know what I mean? Before the radio, even, you know of course, what I mean? Yeah, of course. And I know, when, and, you know, people didn't have, like, unless you were lucky to have a. A seventy-eight player, or I never thought of that before. That you'd use a lyric to remember a tune. To remember a tune, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and you you often it's really quirky because you you you'd often find tunes then that in another part of uh, the country could be played as a waltz because it's more useful as a waltz for a dance like. In so the local it's house, pr- practical application. Pract- it was practical applications, you know. Yeah, so you'd often yeah. hear of tunes, then they'd be transformed into versions, and then yeah, you know, even yeah. when you go to Newfoundland, then same we're thing. hearing tunes, same thing. Yes. We hear a tune that might be a polka here, but it's like played as a single. That's amazing. Over yeah. in and then the difference is as well. The and dif- it could be a verse to it too. The difference is in the melodies then, because you have Boys of Blue Hill, and I said, God, I must listen to this, yeah. and it's a very different variation on. On that's the right. melody we might be aware of from Jimmy yeah. Crowley or whoever, you know. Exactly, yeah. and and, yeah. and that's we see we put lots of tunes on. It's nice when you cross a tune like that that you're kind of you know the original. Like everyone knows the boys will hear yeah, kind of. Yeah. It's kind of the tune that everyone. And it's yeah. lovely. It's a brilliant horn by too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I heard we heard, I heard it first. I think in some in a pub in. Um, uh, down in Cork or that's very unusual some old people probably. playing it and, and I was going God that's beautiful that's a yeah. lovely this is a really unusual version I know it's the Boys of Blue Hill but there's a little difference yeah, to yeah. it and yeah. uh, and then the band Arcade actually recorded it as yeah. well so so we yeah. said yeah that'd be a nice put that that's on because people would be familiar with the original tune ah, yeah, it's a lovely yeah. tell us about the gigs because we want to make sure that people know that yeah, you're out well, and about there we're starting a tour actually today a friend we're starting um We've ten ten gigs coming up now around Ireland, and uh, we're stopping. Uh, we're in Watford for three nights. We're just starting in Watford tonight, and we're in Tipperary as well. Yes, for you're three, in Kil- three gigs. Kill tonight, is it? Kill tonight, yeah. yeah. And then we go from Kill down to Cork to Ballyvorney on Friday night. Right. And then we're going from there then up to Kilfinnan. There's the Joyce Brothers Festival there, so we're there Saturday night. And then we're back up to Jimmy of the Mills up in Upper Church. Jimmy of the Mills. So we're really looking forward to that Sunday <laughs> night. And that's the Upper Church. So we, we're looking forward yes. to playing the Upper Church Polka there as well. You know? Very good, yeah. And then uh, Tuesday night, we're here in, in Clonmel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in Moynihan's there with uh, the World Music, Jerry Lawless and uh, yeah. World Music. So um, Thursday then we're in Dungarvan, the Town Hall Theatre. Next Friday, then we're in Burncourt. Right. 
out in Bobby Gardner's. Lo- we're over Bobby's living yeah, out in the course, hall. Yeah. So we're out there with a, a breed of fits in the, the Bourncourt Community Council. It's lovely. Yeah. We're loved, a lovely village. So we're lo- looking forward to getting back there. It should be, yeah. be lovely, yeah. That's great, yeah. And then we ha- where are we after that then? We're... Uh, Bourncourt, and then we're down to this Belly Cotton, actually, the Sea Church. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. I've been yeah, I've yeah. never been there. We're yeah. really looking forward to that. It's been really interesting as well. It looks beautiful down there. And then um, we're down to Wexford, uh, mm. Carrick and Bano, mm. down to John Murphy's. And then we, we finish up then on Wednesday, the, the 18th below in uh, Catty Barry's in Waterford. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that, we were there last year. It's a great night, actually. It's kind of like a lock in the pub. Like, it's, it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. uh, then the 19th, we're off to Dusseldorf. Wow. Well, you're certain, <laughs> certainly getting around anyway, that's uh, for sure. Are you going to play as uh, another live one, or will we go to a recording? What, what would you like to do? Uh, sure, if you want. Uh, do you want to go for go for the recording, remember? Yeah. Um, why don't we try the Ron Hines song? Which um, is... Fran, that's 1962. Okay. okay. Um, it's interesting about Ron Hines. Like, you know, when you mention his name here, people go, no, I don't, I never heard him. But if you if you said to somebody, do you know that song "Sunny Don't Go Away"? Everyone knows it. Everybody knows it, yeah. But like yeah. Ron Hines was from Newfoundland. Billy used to play with him, like. My God. Did you? So oh. so when we came to do it, and and you know Billy introduced me to Ron Hines's catalogue. I introduced Eddie. To, we, we we and then we were listening. Going, oh my God, it was amazing songs. Great song. songs. But yeah. this one in particular really jumped out at us. Uh, 1962, and we have uh, Ron's old band buddy, then Sandy Morris playing lap steel. Oh, very good. It's great. Yeah. And just, just be, the, the girl that he wrote about apparently was in the audience <laughs> at one of the gigs in the place where he wrote it from, just down the road. From one the of your gigs, that is. Right. We did a gig. Wow. We were over in, in Newfoundland. In he was at the yeah. gig. The girl he wrote it about the other night. <laughs> and I met another fellow by the name of Eddie Groovy Costello. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Uh, forevermore, you're going to be Eddie Groovy Costello. You know, Groovy. All right, let's have a listen to it. This Groovier. is the, <laughs> the of folk, and uh, this is gorgeous. Ninety six. <laughs> And I played a song for you Kissed you by the pinball king Listening to Dio Shannon sing Cause I held these records He was my favorite then And that's all gone It won't come back again That's all gone won't come back again I woke up I put on my fallen shoes I stood out on the front porch like you used to do Stepped across the morning sand The skyline only showing signs of rain Mine would be the old It's all gone, it won't come back again It's all gone, it won't come back again There was something I meant to say Too many words got in the way 
It was 1962 I lit a fire on the beach And I lay in the sand And chill We'd sing songs And the rains would come Straight across the fields We'd run you wrap your sweater Around my first guitar Then I walked you home And that's all Folk there, and uh, it's gorgeous. Uh, 1962, and uh, Eddie, groovy Eddie, on the uh, <laughs> on on the vocals there. Well done. That sounds fantastic. Just uh, a quick reminder, then again, in terms of the Tipperary gig, Sunday night, isn't it? Yeah, so Sunday night. We're up in uh, Upper Church in yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy of the Mills Pub, and um, uh, Tuesday night we're here in Clamel in the back of Jerry Mines with yeah. the wor- Clamel World Music, and uh, next Friday we're in Bourncourt. Uh, out in the community hall. Very there, good um, indeed. The well, the, the album is fantastic. I would highly recommend it. And great to see you all. And thanks for coming in. Thanks, it's been Real, thanks for real treat as always thanks today. Nice Thank to you, you to uh, Benny nice and to Billy and to, to Eddie. That's it for me. Emma produced. Ali looks after our content. Stephen has the time tunnel. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.